Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, a podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keene, and today we're discussing Commando, released by 20th Century Fox on October 4th, 1985, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ray Don Chong, Dan Hedaya, Vernon Wells, James Olson, David Patrick Kelly, Alyssa Milano, and Bill Duke, written by Stephen E. D'Souza, based on a story by Joseph Loeb III and Matthew Weissman, directed by Mark L. Lester. So it was my selection to start start off season two with this uh, this gem, and uh, it's it's probably the most fun and the one of his movies that I, I have some of the fondest memories of when I was a kid. So that's uh, that's why I went with Commando. About that, so I have a bit of a Commando confession to make. Oh, I was never much of a fan of this, and you said wow. this was your pick, and you're calling it a gem. If you were to, if I was to rank my ten favorite Arnold movies, I don't know if this would have been on it. Oh wow! Prior to this viewing, I do. I think my, my opinion of it has come up a lot watching it this time. It's funny because for me, as a kid, or not even as a kid, I think the last time I, I, I the DVD I have is from 1999, which will tell you when the last time I watched it. Because <laughs> I probably bought it and I watched it the one time in like 2000. And I haven't watched it since. And I think around then, my opinion of it was, ah, it's a bunch of boring stuff, and then it takes for- forever to get to the, him killing everybody, and then it's only 10 minutes. And it's, you know, I didn't really, wasn't a huge fan of it. And this time, I was really enjoying the, like, detective stuff. And, like, I really liked the kind of through line of he's, like, trying to figure out what's going on, and he's, like, following from one lead to another. And it's it's, it's weirdly more of a detective story than an action movie for a lot of it. I mean, there are... It's punctuated by action sequence and it's right. it's punctuated by like moments of violence, but there's really not a lot of violence up until the end. I was doing my body count and it's like I don't know, there were like twelve before we get to the end. It's not that much. So, yeah, I liked it more than I did, but it's weird how my opinion is like totally flipped around on its head. Yeah, that's that's interesting because for me, what what I always associated with it uh, was a lot of bodies. Although when watching it this time, I think I had more in my memory than in actual reality. Right. Uh, but it is a lot, though. I it, mean. <laughs> it's a lot, but what what did hold up is that it it has maybe my some of all of my fake favorite all time puns and or one liners. Not all of them in one movie, but a number of them are in this movie. There are some good ones. And, and what it also had going for it, um, Bennett was one of my favorite villains of all time for for the wrong reasons cuz he's not a good one but <laughs> okay. he's he's campy and fun and and that I mean that's what I view this movie is it's not like a great action movie but an action movie of its time that I think is a lot of fun he is very campy like that's for sure but what I love is that his you know he's supposed to be matrix's rival this time in particular, I really noticed that he's he's not in shape at all. He might <laughs> no. be in worse shape than the two of us. No, that's true. And I and so the you know the the macrame chainmail uh, armor that he wears, I think it's for a reason. Now that I really looked at it more closely, it's because he's in terrible shape, and they're trying to cover it up. He, he's not winning the Running Man. Let's put it that way. No, I mean I I don't think he's a good villain. When you say he's a good, you like him in like all the wrong, for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Like I, I'm not as into Bennett in terms of a villain. I think I think he's just kind of not. He's not. He's not. It's like you said. He's just not a match for Arnold. Like, like every other Arnold movie, he gets a shoulder injury at the end to make him more of an even match. <laughs> we'll get to it, but uh, you know, Bennett's. I, I'm I'm hot and cold on Bennett. I, I'm I, I get where you're coming from, but we'll we'll see if I can convince you along the way. Okay. 
so yeah, so we we were talking about this before we started, but uh, there are two versions of this movie. There's there's the theatrical cut and there's the director's cut. Yes. Do you watch the director's cut? Correct. And I watch the theatrical cut. So at some point, we we may be out of sync in certain things. Like we'll have to just stop me if I blow past something that you, if there was a scene that you saw yeah. that I didn't see. I've never seen the director's cut, and I actually didn't know it existed until reading up for this, and it was like. I was reading about what was different, and it seemed like it was, like, like what, 45 seconds of extra footage or something that, like that? Like that's it, what I think, it, at least based on my memory. And it's been a while since I've seen it, but I have seen Commander a lot of times. The only thing that I thought was out of place is there were a few scenes where it seemed like it was a little bit longer and maybe a little bit more graphic in terms of the violence. But other than that, I don't. I didn't remember there being multiple scenes or something that would make it feel like a different movie. So should we dig into Commando? Absolutely. Okay. So we, we open up and uh, we've, we've got to establish uh, the, the peril that uh, is, is going to be happening. So the other members of Matrix's team slowly but surely are getting picked off. Yeah, we only see two guys get killed. I assume he had more members of this team than just these two guys. I, I, would, I mean, if you know McBain had uh, ten <laughs> members in the POW camp, you'd like to think this Commando team you know, would have... Ten or more, right? If they're going on these missions, he's got at least I remember four or five places when Chenny, which I just absolutely love, that they gave a character name to his daughter that Arnold really had a hard time pronouncing. <laughs> right. Jenny. Let's, let's which is start with Jenny. Yeah, with a J. That's yes. not, not a lot of German words. I don't think start with a J. It's, no. If I remember my high school German correctly. But yeah, and then uh, these these so these assassins. One guy I don't know who it is, but the other guy, Bill Duke. Well, Luke is great, and he's he's very underappreciated as an actor, and he's he's you know he's he's in Predator also and a yeah. bunch of other stuff. He plays Cook in Commando, and he's a, a convincing garbage man, which is the first <laughs> ruse. Which there's so many things about this that, that at least I notice and love that they go through this very intricate uh, you know ruse as posing as the garbage man. The timing has to be perfect that they get there with the garbage truck, and that none of the other neighbors. Are confused and think that the garbage day has changed. <laughs> right. You think everyone, every exactly. every street, like every house, there'd be someone going like, "Wait, there's wait, like, wait, I got this garbage." But no, only <laughs> only the key target comes out with his trash. That's a good to be point. Assassinated. So there are no witnesses. It's very clean. That's an excellent point. I didn't think about that. But it, yeah, the whole and, street should have been witnesses to it, this murder. Yes, exactly. They all should have been witnesses. And then what I love is that, you know, I, I guess I love the idea of that. You know, Matrix is off in this island, and it's him and Jenny living. <laughs> And then other members of his team, I don't know if this was, you know, the, the member of the team nobody liked, but he's just <laughs> living in, you know, suburbia and he's worrying about the garbage being taken out. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really kind of grim days for, uh, for, for Matrix's team. Well, the second guy has to hold on a job as a well, car salesman. That, that is. At least this guy's got a nice house, a big driveway. Yes. That was the part that kind of messed, messed with me is that guy's driveway is so huge. It's like, how could he even hear? He's woken up by the garbage truck. Like, oh, try a trash day. How could he? I mean, I guess he's a. It's like uh, it's like Matrix smelling the guy later. It's like his hearing is so perfectly tuned. Yes. he can hear a garbage truck from a mile away. Yes, yeah, see, that's that's the thing that uh, I had trouble with in terms of their plan. Because, like, yeah, did, was it their plan to just hope for him to come out waving his trash? Like, well, I, what was the backup? Right, what if he didn't come out? What were they going to do? Just keep keep driving around until it worked? Well, I was imagining that they had this incredibly elaborate plan that posing as the trash of the garbage men are just like step one. It's like, well, we'll infiltrate and they'll go through the sewer and they had this, I, I imagine like a, a 40 minute like meeting like an Ocean's Eleven thing where they have to dig through here and then he just wanders out with the trash. They're like, oh, uh, oh <laughs> just shoot him. Abort, abort. We'll just shoot him right here in the driveway. Well, that was much easier than we thought it would be. Yes. Uh, he just, he just, 
Maybe, maybe that was what was also supposed to be in the director's cut. Was there an elaborate plan? And as you said, the Ocean's Eleven like whiteboard of every all the pieces that had to go in place. Oh, he's just coming out. All right, just get the gun. Well, We're I'm, just going to take care of him right now. Well, I know this guy's just living in suburbia and he's, his guard is down. But like this, he's supposed to be one of these elite commandos, and just like he just he's just a calf to the slaughter. Yeah, not only that, he he makes no. He takes no evasive actions when it, you know, when when a gun is pulled on him. He doesn't do anything. Right. He's just there. Stands there like a, like an idiot. Yes. Um, I do like uh, this. This is our first pun in the movie. Where it, I mean, I'm counting it as a pun. I don't yeah. know. Maybe you disagree. Where no, he's that's just, fair. he goes like, "I I thought you missed me." And Bill Duke says, "Don't worry, we won't." <laughs> and they gun him down. I would I would count that one. I think so. Give you, Cook give Cook the first pun. You missed me as a the double meaning there. Yeah. I think I think it counts. So, because I, I, I have a note here just saying, I'm so happy that puns are back. Uh, yes. <laughs> We've been, we have a, in, had a bit of a pun drought for a in while. In full force in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. So, as you noted, uh, so, so the first member of the team is down. The, the next guy, oh, there's so much great about this car salesman. I, the fact that vinyl seats he's trying <laughs> right. to sell yeah. is a benefit. You're right. It's really sad. That this ex-commando that he doesn't he doesn't have enough money that he's holding down a job unless maybe he just really likes selling cars you don't know it could be but the the fact that he he's he's a sleazy salesman too I mean he's right. not even an honest salesman yeah he's really championing that vinyl he's like you don't want leather it's like <laughs> cold in the winter you don't want leather. cracks it's like yeah cracks. Vinyl, vinyl never does that no vinyl is what you want I do like this guy he he goes. Uh, when we caught to him and he's making his pitch, he goes, that's American worksmanship. You think the Japanese invented that? No, I don't think the Japanese invented American worksmanship. No, I don't. I know this is like, that was the time, like, you know, the Japanese cars had suddenly taken over and like everyone was caught right. garbage. Just like, a strange pitch, just like. Yes, this is, uh, this is probably around the time, maybe, maybe after, I, I don't know, but Gung Ho with uh, Michael Keaton. That's right. Was yeah. very relevant. Uh, I think that's a Ron Howard movie, actually. It's, it's a comedy from the 80s that yeah, I like. It's uh, like 83, 84. Somewhere in there. Somewhere so, around the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's very relevant. Um, there, I mean, there's a few things here. That, I mean, the vinyl seeds, they, they, they were funny. The fact that there are keys in a showroom car, there's no way there are ever keys in a showroom car. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, go ahead, start it up. It's like, no, he wouldn't be okay with him just starting up the car. No, you go out into the lot, and you take one in the lot for a spin. Uh, and then the fact, he, I mean, this guy must really be hard up for money because he is very concerned to the point where he's running out after when Cook is taken out with the car. He jumps in front of the car. He jumps in front of it. I, I mean, I know he's an ex-commando, but... That seems like a, a bit of a leap for a car. I think maybe his training kicked it. Like, he, you know, he's trained to be, like, to give his life for his country, and then he just, like, you know, redirected that training to, to Ameri- his car Ameri- dealership. Or- to American workmanship, and he didn't want to <laughs> see it stolen. <laughs> to vinyl. To vinyl. I will tell you that. I mean, give they, my life to vinyl. I did very much appreciate Cook's, Bill Duke's, the price. <laughs> right. Well, he also has a line. The guy's giving his spiel, his sales pitch, and Bill Duke just goes, I like Cadillacs. <laughs> That's all he says. Yeah. It reminded me, you ever see that YouTube clip? Uh, it's like a news clip of the kid the kid that's dressed up as a zombie, and they're like, no. the news lady's interviewing this kid. He's like maybe eight years old. They're like, wow, what a cool zombie. What do you think of Halloween or whatever? And he just goes, I like turtles. <laughs> oh, that, what a cool zombie. Back to you. Like, the news person doesn't know what to do. It, was, it became like a meme like eight years ago. But this kid, Bill Duke just like, I like Cadillacs. It reminded me of that kid. It's <laughs> great. So and then so yes, we've got uh, two on the body count. Two commandos are down. Yeah, and it's a weird opening because like it doesn't give any context. We don't no. know who these guys are. I no. mean, you know, eventually you get there, but no, it is a very cold opening, and it's not really an action opening. Like I almost would have thought they'd want to like, like almost almost like the thing I was pitching of like you know, 
breaking in and this guy's going to defend himself and make it more of an action-packed thing. I'm just like, no, it's just, they just, they shoot one guy in the street and they run over a guy and it's, it's, yeah, kind, of, I, it's kind of a very low-key, you know, considering where this movie goes, it's a very yeah, low-key intro. It's interesting. I mean, thinking back to not that many movies ago, like Eraser has a really, you know, fast-paced action opening. Uh, now, granted, it's Arnold doing most of the action, but you're, you're right. That that seems like it would fit a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, or at least have these guys put up somewhat of a fight to to show, hey, this entire team. It, it's not just it's not just Matrix and Bennett that are these you know trained assassins. Um, but but these guys really go down pretty pretty quickly and pretty easily. And there's no music to it, and it, it almost feels like the opening of like a mob movie or like a yeah. police movie. It's just it, it, tonally it doesn't fit. But you know, very quickly we we. Well, I guess there's one more there's, quote unquote killing. Yeah. I, so, we, as always, we assume everybody has seen this. If not, sorry, it's being ruined. But, yeah, spoiler warning. Uh, Bennett is, get, gets on a boat, and apparently Bennett is a magician because gets on the boat, the boat heads out of the harbor. Uh, Cook is there with a remote control to blow it up. Well, both of those guys, though. Who's the, do oh, the other guy's name? I don't know. The, uh, the, the other. The guy that Arnold eventually shoots in, in his daughter's bedroom. Yes. Is it Ramirez or something like that? I think it's Ramirez. I'm not sure if you actually even get that name. Yeah, they're definitely... Like, he, he's gone so quick. But anyway, the, the, Cook and that other guy are, yes. are both there. And he's got a giant like RC-controlled bomb. Yes. Which, I mean, it's, it's the 80s, but I love that gigantic... It's like the size of this mixer we bought. Yes. <laughs> it's it's it a is, gigantic You'd thing. need to be as strong and powerful as these commandos to probably pick that, that yeah. uh, remote control up. Uh, and so somehow Bennett, you know, pulls the the uh, the Joe Bluth trick, and he he makes the boat disappear. But uh, he he also disappears uh, as well because I'm not sure where he went. I mean, I figured you know they they'd planned this out. He wanted to look like he died. I figured he had some kind of hatch or some he swam away or whatever. Who knows? Something. But he was in on it, so he must have had some some plan. Yes, but well, that's the thing though is what I understand he was in on it, but he's the only one on the boat, and you don't really see anybody on the pier that necessarily they lead you to believe know that he's on there in. Well, he, he jumps across that other boat, right? Those two guys yeah. are like, hey, hey, buddy, or whatever. Like, it seems like they know the, know him, and I guess. they're going to be witnesses to say, oh, he died. Uh, that's that's what I assumed. So and, you've got the head fake, though. Bennett does not count, because uh, we clearly know Bennett survives. Right. I wrote down, body count three, or is it? <laughs> it is <laughs> not. It, yeah, we'll just say. <laughs> so then, from there, we've now, we get to music. Yeah, this is where the music kicks in. The like, music kicks in, which is great, and this has to be probably for me the most iconic and maybe my favorite Arnold opening of all time. It's pretty amazing. And I remember when we were talking about it in the uh the the uh, the Running Man episode comparing this to the girder over his shoulder. Yes. And I couldn't remember because you were like, "Oh, it's his introduction." And I was like, "Is it?" I couldn't remember. And now watching it, it's like, "Oh, it is his introduction and it's an amazing introduction." And yes. It's, it's the fan. music and the editing and everything just comes together perfectly. It's one of the greatest introductions in a movie you ever get. Yeah. So, as alluded, not just alluded to, but mentioned multiple times, he's got this gigantic cloth that he's carrying. He's in a shirt. They've got him, you know, fully flexed with 
sweat glistening off. It's just fantastic. Well, he's got an undershirt, but he had he had like a some kind of a flannel or something. Yes. That he, he's, I, like, he's a lumberjack, you know. He cuts it down and then he carries the logs himself. No, but I like how he put the flannel over his shoulders to protect. Like, so he's a tough guy, but he's got sensitive skin. He's got yes. to, he's got to keep it between the log and his skin. I but, imagine that the reason you know the the brawny guy, the brawny man on the paper towels, he does the same thing when he cuts down the logs. Right. He takes that flannel shirt off and, and he puts it. He puts it over his shoulder to yeah, protect his shoulder to protect his shoulder from the bark. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so this is John Matrix. Another John. Yes, another John, but an <laughs> awesome last name. Matrix is so perfect. Well, we learned he's East German. Like, oh, yes, of the East German Matrixes. <laughs> it's a long family bloodline of the Matrixes from <laughs> East Germany. Yeah, I, d- I do like, I mean, it, it is, it's obviously this log is just to show how strong it is, but I did like the idea of him, like, He's only he only needs this for firewood, right? He's not like building anything. So no, he's not because you're, yes, he takes it back and then he's using an axe. He's chopping to, it up to for firewood. So it's like he's that's like three years worth of firewood. It's so much wood. <laughs> well, that too. What I don't understand is so is is Jenny who will be introduced here? Yes. Is she homeschooled or is this island? Is this where they just hang out in the summer and then when summer's over they go somewhere else? It. it I don't think it's an island. I think it's somewhere in like the mountains of California. Oh, you do? All right. Yeah, I, I don't think it's any like it's that secluded. I'm sure she just goes to a regular school, etc. Okay. For some reason, I was had in my mind. Maybe it's because of the helicopter flying in. I just always assumed it was an island. I mean, they're certainly it's supposed to be secluded, it's and it's remote. supposed to be like yeah, they're not they're they're off the grid for yeah. the most part. Like it doesn't seem like they even have like electricity or whatever. Although she does have a TV, so they must yeah. have some some kind of electricity. Well, but. how else would she know about Girl George, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, well, that's from a magazine. He's reading. Yeah, that is true. He's reading Cream Magazine. Going, <laughs> why so, don't they call him Girl George? Why, they just make it easier. Get rid of all the confusion. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's that's a timely joke right there. Like, good job, movie. It's basically the first thing he says. Yes. Although, no, technically, the first thing he says in this movie is "I surrender." Yes. Because uh, Chenny sneaks up on her and is like, "Ah, you got me! I surrender." And so, he's got that huge smile. That's what I. So I have during this. It's just from the him. Carrying this giant log. Yeah. Well, I, let, me, let me just finish my note there because I have my, my note is this is like the logging equivalent of trying to carry all your groceries in on one trip, <laughs> gi- carrying this giant log. I just wanted to get that in. So I, I do. I, I appreciate that he's trying to get them all in on one trip. Yeah, he doesn't. He, he doesn't want to just mess around. Wants to make the one trip. Yeah. He's trying to be efficient. So then I've got that it's the uh, the the '80s family time, and I, I like that it's I got ice cream. Judo, (laughs) feeding wildlife. What I want to know is, what do you think? Do you think after that scene where they're smiling and they're feeding the deer... Does he just go and snap its neck, and that's what they're going to be eating? You know, yeah. later later in the month. Uh, I mean, I guess it's very possible. I mean, I'll bet he sends her away. Like, oh, you know, like, hey, look, over, hey, look over there, <laughs> right? I mean, they are fishing, and she seems okay with that, right? So, so that you know. and that was you end with fishing and swimming. So she's got you know a little training for to be a uh, a commando with the judo and the swimming. Yeah, and uh, but but they have fun time too with. <laughs> Feeding the wildlife, fishing, and uh, getting some ice cream. It's not so much swimming as just being tossed around in yeah, a pool. That like, is that's true. really he's just like, nah, he's just like he's, she's not really swimming, but uh, I mean they're having a good time all all around. This montage is, you know, it's, I think this is the sort of thing that is kind of poked fun at. Like, oh. you know, it's it's definitely like over the top and like. Deservedly so, because they smile way too much. It, yeah, it's like it's like they got gassed by the Joker. <laughs> I think I a little smilex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're going to be dead in an hour. They're smiling so much. 
I mean, yeah, it's it's so they're trying so hard to establish that, that he's like a good father and the, the, how they're such a happy family together, et cetera. It's like oh, it's over the top, and you don't excuse me, you don't need to convince us. You you would never need to convince an audience that a father loved his daughter. You just take it for granted unless you saw otherwise. Yeah, like you don't even need to do this. Just she's his daughter. You totally get why he would want to kill everyone to get her back. Why even feel the need? Is it because it's Arnold? And they were worried that like no one would buy that Arnold would care for another human being. <laughs> I I mean it must be right. I, it must be. Um, and and I guess it's to try and offset yes because of the lengths that that he goes. Um, in terms of the the body count, which. You know, in many ways, I had this uh, later on, but Ma- Matrix effectively is a human version of the Terminator. I mean, that's really what Matrix is. He's an unstoppable he's, he's, killing machine. He's more unstoppable than the Terminator. Right. He, I think he is more unstoppable than Terminator, Terminator. You can at least slow down a little right. bit. Matrix cannot be slowed down by anything. Right. So you, you said that it's obvious that, uh, you know, it's his daughter and that he'll do anything for her. Here's the thing that always I always had, even before this viewing, the casting, I just, for whatever reason, I can't see Alyssa Milano as Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. Really? I, I, yeah, I don't know why. Hmm. I, and I buy it. I, I just, I always, I'm like, Alyssa Milano? I just don't see, and I, you, don't, I mean, you don't know what her mother you know, looked right. like. Yeah. So it, it's fair. I just always thought that that casting was interesting. But I, I know she was, uh, I think she had either been just filming or finished who, the first season of Who's the Boss. Yeah, so she was obviously a, a rising child actress. Yeah, that's what I had read doing the research. This is between seasons one and two of Who's the Boss. Right. So I, I and it's not that she's bad. I, I don't have anything against Alyssa Milano. Just all, all the years when I saw this, I'm like, I just don't see Alyssa Milano coming from Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know. I mean, there there have been way worse, you know, like way way less believable pairings than this. I, I completely buy it. Just before we move on, the one thing about the ice cream scene that made me laugh is because they're like, they have, they're, they're, first of all, they're like the most rustic ice cream place in history. Yes. And they're like, it's supposed to be like, oh, she shoved it in my nose. Ha ha ha. I'm having a good time. But they're both, they both have vanilla. So it's like, here, have a taste of mine. Here, have a taste of mine. It's like, you both have vanilla. Why are you sharing your ice cream for? I miss that. <laughs> You're right. That makes no sense. At whatsoever. least it looks like they both have the same kind of it. Yeah. It's the exact same ice cream. Um. So we, we then get to. Jenny's uh, really, really terrible sandwiches. sandwiches. Yes, here come the sandwiches. She like per- she announces it like they're going to be the most amazing thing. Yes, and Dad does not. Uh, she says that Dad does not want to know what's in them. Here's what I want to highlight. So this movie all takes place within a 24 hour period. Yeah, the bite of this garbage sandwich is the <laughs> is only, enough. Yeah, it's true. Is enough to sustain the killing machine. So I wonder if really Matrix is. Just a reprogrammed uh, Terminator that he really does not need any physical sustenance to, or, to go on this rampage. Or the reason why she didn't want to say it was in the sandwich because it had like methamphetamine. Or PC, it. yeah, he's got yeah. like PCP or something, something in there. That's a fantastic point. I, I, that's something I almost never think about in movies like this where it's, yeah, it all takes place in a short amount of time. Like It's like, well, like the movie, like the show 24 or whatever. It's like, right. when when do they eat? When, when does he go to the, the bathroom? bathroom? Yeah. yeah. So that's that's a good point. I never thought about it. Yeah. But that, <laughs> this so, is all he eats. This is all he eats. So maybe you really do want to know what's in there because if you can go on a killing rampage like this right, yeah. from just one bite of Jenny's sandwich, these are sandwiches I want to market. Absolutely. 
be chock full of energy for killing. Yeah, so, so this might have been, you know, I mean, right now, you know, health and energy bars are, are, the, are the healthy alternative snack to people that are training. I think Chenny might have been onto something with these sandwiches, and I want to know what's in them. That's my business proposition. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there are, like, opportunities. Like, maybe he snapped he, while he was, like, sneaking out of the plane. He grabbed, like, a... a just, a, just a whole bunch of the peanuts. Right. He's just like, I'm taking all of these. <laughs> right, he's just snacking on them while they're in or, the... Or he's thinking, uh, Henrique is not going to need his, so he took <laughs> Enrique's share. That's right. Can I get a blanket, a pillow, and eight packages of peanuts? <laughs> For my friend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we go through, we've we've done the girl George, boy George. Yeah. Unless you had anything else on that. I mean, other than the fact that it's like incredibly dating. dating this movie. Yes. But I do like the, they, this is one of the few movies that justifies his accent. And he's yeah. you learned that he's he was East German, which... There's there's a there's obviously some kind of a backstory there that we don't learn that I'd be very interested. Well, I I am curious about, but part of me is like it's probably better they didn't explain. But just like, how does a kid who grew up in East Germany like end up being an elite, an elite. American commando? Right. And you know the fact that during the Cold War, because this movie still the Cold War was still going on. Yep. The fact they made him East Germany is an interesting choice. Yeah, I mean it was to explain the accent, but you're right. It leads you to the questions of there's some obviously sensitive missions that he's been on. Right. That you're trusting somebody who grew up you don't know how long uh but at least long enough to establish his language as you know german is his primary language right well even but in this scene he's like siding with these germans he goes like oh they said there was rock and roll subversive maybe they were right it's like he, he's a communist yeah. he shouldn't don't he's like, he doesn't like rock and roll he's you know don't let him be a, an american commander no and i i would guess he would not be in support of vinyl seats either american craftsmanship <laughs> that's true Right. Uh, so you get uh, a little menacing. I like the menacing music for when the chopper's coming in. You're not sure when. What, what I love too is yes, Matrix knew well before the chopper was coming in. Right. He already knew. He perks up like a like a dog. Yeah. He's looking around. It's it's it, it really establishes him well as like you know between this and the smelling the guy in a minute coming like it 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 sets up his skill set without having to like be an elaborate sequence. You know yeah. what I mean? Like and and I think I think Arnold that that moment where he like. You see, like the concern on his face, and he he kind of understands. He at least knows something bad is on the way, and like right. he's, he does a pretty good job there. He's, this is still early in his career, and it's you know this movie. He's not really acting, acting. He's just no. kind of like you know he's just he's doing his Arnold around, thing, doing Arnold. Yeah, but uh, you know I, I think he's he's fine. I mean, yeah, it's this, is, this is kind of the prototype for the rest of his career, or at least a good chunk of his career in a yeah. lot of ways. So uh, yeah, he holds his own. So Kirby's coming in, and we get. Uh, I got a list here of uh, who it could be. This, you know, the uh, Syrians, South Americans, Russians, and terrorist group. Well, I, I, to me, what I just found interesting is that you know it's thirty years later, and some some of those same names are some of the same names that it could easily be if you updated and made this movie thirty years later. Yeah, things don't change that much. That's no. for sure. You like to think that you know the world changes, but. It does, slowly, but it doesn't change that much. Yeah, well, uh, in this movie, at least, one South American, one fictional South American, or maybe Central American, it never really is clear, uh, nation, apparently, at least they had some kind of a change. Yes. It never really establishes whether, like, that new president of Alverde was, like, better or worse than... than no, just we'll, that... We'll, we'll get to it. Just but, that he needed to go. Yeah, just America wanted him gone, that's all we really know. It's like, whether that was good for the country or bad, it's like, it's not really something that the movie is concerned with. So we've got uh, yeah, Kirby outlines that uh, what we've already seen um, that three members of his unit. You're wrong, General Kirby. Bennett did not die. 
the three members of his former unit have been killed, and so Kirby, until they can get to the bottom of it, are leaving yeah. Jackson and Harris to stand guard, which you can just assume, if you know anything about the formula, Jackson and Harris, just, they're chum. It's yeah. only a matter of how long, not when, or when, not if, these guys are dead. Well, the general speaks highly of them. He's like, well, they're not as good as you, or they're good, or whatever he says. It's yeah. like, no, that's not true at all. Like, it's not even close. <laughs> it's, it's funny how he shows up with this morning, warning, drops these two guys off, leaves, immediately the attack begins. It's not even like, the movie doesn't even want to give him an hour to like... You know, how is that even possible? No, it's, it's they're, the they're there. Thing. But you know what it reminded me a little bit of, too, of is the um, how quickly you moved. Now, granted, it was within the, the same city, but in Eraser, when Vanessa Williams' character goes home and the FBI's out there and they, they clearly were going to be chum as well, and they were chum right. uh, for the railgun. But it was a, a similar thing. The scene was a little bit longer, but instantaneously, you know, the the... the Peril was there. Well, but the thing is, in, in Commando, we learn that they killed those other two guys just to force the general to come out and warn. They wanted to, they wanted to follow the general to Matrix. Right. But then, how is it possible they're already there? When he's, he's, he's been there for oh. five minutes. Yeah, that's true. They're following him there, supposedly. And within five minutes of there and attacking... Like, I I missed that. The That's general's helicopter catch. still has it still yes. isn't even flown over the horizon. It's, it's still yes, it's on a Yeah. <laughs> and they're already attacking. Like how did they get up there that quickly? Like, you know... No, they, that's a good point. Were they driving down the highway, like, looking up, following that helicopter? Well, and even if they could, I mean, I, I'm assuming those are winding roads yeah, to try and get up into this remote location. You're right, there's no way that they could be there. It's just because this movie does not want to waste any time. Like, yeah. this movie just wants to get to it. Like, no, nothing... <laughs> and you know what, though? In some ways, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, I like that it's... It, it's moving fast the entire time. It leads to some great moments. I'll save it for later. But there are a couple moments where it's like the the movie wants to just. It's moving so quickly that it makes me laugh. Just like the specific like ways in which it just glosses over certain things. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So they attack right away, and one of those guys is immediately just gone. Yeah, he's he's gun gunned down immediately. That's uh, number number three. Yes, and uh, Matrix, as you've as you've noted, says that he knew that they were there because they were. Downwind. Right. So uh, Arnold sends the survive. I think I think Jackson is who survives, and Harris is the one who's gunned down. Yeah, I didn't remember these guys. So names. Jackson needs to go stand guard for Jenny, right? While Arnold goes to get his weapon. What I love, he has to get this rifle from the shed. Yes, he's he's got an armory with a two digit code. Yeah, that's exactly just like fantastic that. to me. His code that, is one three. Yes. That is the code. The code. I mean. Whatever the two numbers were, it would not be very hard to crack that code. No. So for an elite commando, I mean, I guess maybe he's just gambling that uh, nobody's going to go in my tool shed. And if they are, I'll be able to smell them before they can do any damage and get access to my gun cache. Well, it's like anything. It's like just seeing that that like number pad. If someone breaks it, they'd be like, ah, oh, there's a code. I won't even try. You know, like that's, I think that's what he's counting on. It's just a deterrent. It's not, it's not actually secure. It's not secure. And just seeing the... the the how many are in there for one guy? Because I'm assuming Jenny is not handling those firearms. He has a lot of firearms yeah, in there does. for one guy. Well, he's he's the commando. He's John Matrix. Of course, he's got weapons in case World War Three breaks out. He's got to be ready. <laughs> or if he's going to start it himself. 
I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like John Matrix was like a survivalist. He's like the kind of guy who he, he's been to a lot of places. He's he's seen how like how he's bad the world lot. can be. He, he's just expecting World War Three to break out at any moment, and he will be ready uh, and will be a one man unstoppable killing force when it starts. Right. I mean, based on what we see, I'm sure he could fight off. If, if you know, if it was like Red Dawn, he wouldn't. You wouldn't need all those kids. It would just it would just be him fighting. You just off. need Matrix. Yeah, that's all you'd need. But yeah, he so he runs out to the shed. Meanwhile, he t- he just sends her to her room. Yes, like. She should be sticking with this guy. Don't just, just send her to a room alone. Not only that, I mean, what, what I found interesting, really kind of thinking this through a little bit more to do this, you would think this guy, as you said, he's a bit of a survivalist. You would think he's cutting down logs for firewood. I'm going to assume he cut down every one of those logs, built that cabin himself. Yeah. Why wouldn't he build, you know, like a safe room in that place? That's a good, good question, yeah. I, 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 now, granted, if the code was just one three to open up this... <laughs> The right. safe room. I'm not sure how much that it matters. Maybe he carved that security door out of wood too. That's why it's so lousy. It's just it's made like all the circuitry is just made out of like wood yes. pulp and stuff, or like like sap or something. I don't know. Yeah, he make, just, he's making circuits out of like you know. It's for show. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a good point though because I, I think you're probably right. He built this cabin himself. So uh, like, I, I'm going to assume that whether or not it, that's a fair assumption. I mean, at the very least, put, build his armory in a place where it's more accessible. I get that he doesn't want Chenny, you know, stumbling into his, his weapons cache, but like he's got to run all the way out into this shed way in the back. And it's, by the time he gets back, it's all everything's done. It's like right. It doesn't matter how many weapons he's got; it's all over already. So um, it is over, and Jackson did not make it. No, which oh, and that reminds me because. In the time it takes him to run to that shed, grab his weapons, and get back, so many things had to have happened. We thought about like the no, sequence of events because that that other guy was it Jackson. Is that what his name was? I think Jackson is the survivor. He either ran upstairs and got killed near that door, or they, the bad guys killed him, dragged him up, and like propped him against the door. So that's one thing. <laughs> I, just the, I like the idea of him propping him up again, like as a doorstop well, or cause, something. Because that's the second floor, right? Because yeah. Matrix goes and gets a bunch of weapons, and he hops up on the roof and like goes into like a balcony that leads into, his, into Jenny's room. Yes. And that's where that guy falls out. And then the bad guys there saying, oh, we, are, we kidnapped your daughter. So, so they, in, the, in the time it took them to run to the shed and back, they've kidnapped the daughter. They've pulled vans up. They've thrown her into the van. They've driven halfway down the mountain because you can already see them way down there. Yes. They've sabotaged his truck. Yep. And, and he's got that heart off of the fridge. So at some point, they went to the fridge, grabbed the I love you daddy heart, and he's holding it like, to mock him. <laughs> so many things happen in the time it takes him to sprint to a shed, hit 1-3, and sprint back. So I think what we've established is that unlike... The running man, this, he's a really, really slow runner. That's <laughs> yeah, what the problem was. Yeah. All those muscles are bogging down John Matrix, uh, where Ben Richards, he had you know cheetah-like speed. John Matrix clearly has tortoise-like speed. Or they cut out like the sequence where he couldn't remember that two-digit code. Like you know, all, all his training, he's you know he knows how to fight, but he's so dumb otherwise. Just like what was the code? One, two. No, it's not one. Four. I can't remember the three-digit one. No, that's not it. Two digits is too many. I know it has a one and a three, but I can't come up with it. Do I have to put the zero? And he's punching, punching numbers that don't. Don't. <laughs> is it one, three, three? Jenny's birthday backwards. <laughs> Can't remember that. Yeah, right. Maybe that's what that, he that, was there for five minutes just punching codes, and we skipped over that. He couldn't remember the two-digit code anyway. But yeah, a lot has happened while he's gone, and now they've got her, and this guy is taunting him. Yeah, I love how confident that guy is, yeah. and and Matrix just has a very simple retort. <laughs> right. Wrong. Right. This is the second. What was the other movie? This, this almost became like a catchphrase of his, right? Or someone asks him a question, he just goes wrong. Because what's the other movie? Oh, I know this has been in something else. It probably has, but 
Was it in uh, Term? Oh, it was in Terminator, right? Because he goes, he goes like, "Hey, you can't do that here." Meaning like he's oh, in the gun right. shop saying, "Blah blah blah." You're right. And he goes no. wrong. Yeah, that's that the- is one of his lines of dialogue in when he's getting again the the cache of weapons. Right. He's acquiring it in the Terminator. You're right, and and it's funny because this is the first, like I said, the first movie that kind of sets the template for Arnold. This is the first movie post Terminator where he says, "I'll be back." We'll get there in a bit, and then this, like, I feel like. Steven D'Souza, you know, I think he really gets Arnold. And he was kind of, I think he's a big reason why Arnold's persona kind of became what it became because this movie sets up a lot of that. And I think a lot of it is Steven D'Souza saying, like, hey, let's play let's it give up. Arnold all these catchphrases. And it's like some caught on and some didn't. Yeah. Like, wrong didn't catch on. But, like, the fact that I'll be back became his calling card. Yeah. No, you're probably right. And it's, having, again, you know, ironic. Ironic, cat, not catchphrases, but ironic phrases and responses, response to horrible <laughs> mutilations or death. Right. You're right. It probably became like a paint-by-numbers then for, for other movies. Yeah, and, and as, much, as, as much as I was kind of lukewarm at the beginning of this, I'm, I, I do love how this movie really does very strongly set that template of just like, this is what an Arnold Schwarzenegger... If anyone's like, what's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie like? Just like, Commando, here. Yeah. That. Watch this. This is what they're like. Yeah, I mean, for better or worse, right? If right. you don't like it, you don't like it, but this is the template. Totally, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, as you said, the, the truck is sabotaged, so he makes a run for the truck. He, yeah. he looks at the mechanics and says, nope, I'm going to be Fred Flintstone here. <laughs> and it's, he pushes that truck like he's Fred Flintstone. <laughs> it is. But what I do have, and I, I don't know if you have in your notes, but it is Arnold face, and I, I've got it right oh, there. Oh, when he's pushing the when truck? When he's pushing the truck, you get some Arnold face. I did not miss, notice that, but yeah, that... Now that I'm th- imagining it, you're right. Yeah, anytime he's straining or struggling, he's yes. going to get that face. So he gets it moving like Fred Flintstone, and he is just flying down this hill. Well, it doesn't. It, we don't learn until he's halfway down the hill. He also has no brakes. It's not just yes. no engine. He doesn't have brakes. <laughs> what a madman. Like, I know his daughter's been kidnapped. Uh, Beyond reckless. Yeah, but it is a cool idea for a chase. It, it's very Bond, like, because yeah. the... Uh, was it Spectre just just recently had a scene kind of like this where he's barreling down a mountain with a plane and you're right. Uh, there's there's a chase in uh, Free Eyes Only that's kind of like this where he bounds barreling down. Yeah. So it, it's 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 very Bond like in a good way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what I love is that I don't understand why don't why don't Cook and the rest of the kidnappers why don't they just pull the Top Gun? I'm gonna hit the brakes. He's gonna fly right by. <laughs> I was just about to say that all they have to do is go up the mountain and right. there's nothing Matrix can do. No, he's just gonna be careening down the mountain. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess at some point they would have to go back to get Matrix because their plan is to coerce him to cooperate. And the guy they left behind was supposed to bring him in, get get him to agree to to cooperate and bring him in. So I wonder what they would have done if they got away and then they're like, hey, where's that guy? (laughs) He's supposed to come in with Matrix. I don't think he's coming back. (laughs) If they'd gone uphill, I had no idea. Like, you know, they have no idea that Matrix is chasing them because he's he's so far back. Yeah. So the the truck eventually crashes when they. Uh, it's a good idea, but it doesn't exactly... The execution leaves something to be desired. Yes. Uh, and so they hit him with a tranquilizer gun, and the reveal, uh, Bennett... Bennett! Bennett! Has survived. Yeah. And it's payday. Yeah, I, I like... I, I do like that these guys have history. Like, that's one thing about yeah. Bennett that I think is not too common in Schwarzenegger movies, where, like, Arnold's character and the villain have some kind of personal beef with each other. Yeah. So that's at least nice. That's that's not very common with with Arnold movies. No, and I, you know, I, it's certainly in mentioning Bond. You know, one of the ones that I like. I do. I've always enjoyed Goldeneye, and I, you know, I did enjoy the, you know, Sean Bean as the villain in that was was a you know former double O agent and had a history with Bond, and so I, I think it, it 
It doesn't always work, but I think it can work. It's something that can definitely like enhance yeah. the the villain. Is, you know, something because you want them by the end of the movie. You really want to be like, especially in this case, like you want to be rooting for Matrix to kill Bennett. Right. Like you want you want to be with him to say like, you know, oh, and now I get why they hate each other. Blah blah yeah. blah. Uh, yeah. Before we move on to this, this car chase, now that he's been tranquilized, but the, the one guy, uh, and I we'll, we'll keep it clean, but uh, we'll do I'll do the censored version. But I, this movie loves MF. Oh, yeah. MF word. Like, Mr. Every, Falcon? Every, yeah, every time, because he's just like, don't move, Mr. Falcon. And he's just like over-enunciated. <laughs> yes. like, everybody who curses in this movie, it they curse like a 12-year-old boy who just learned how to curse. Yeah, like, so excited. Very, very excited and wants to use it emphatically. I love that guy. And there's another guy later who does a similar line. So every time. Every time the MF word is You're right. I, I missed that, but you, you're right. <laughs> it's really good. Mr. Falcon. I would play the clip if we could, but it's not going to... Bleep isn't going to really sell it. Yeah, it doesn't... You, you're missing exactly what you're trying to get. Yeah. So we talk about... So, so Bennett, played by Vernon Wells, and I don't yes. know if... Like, the one... The only other thing I know him from, he's the, like, Mohawk guy in uh, in Road Warrior... I, I had read that, but I didn't I didn't remember that. I would have never known that until I re- unless I read it because yeah. he's so he looks so different. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's funny how like this guy, you know, Bennett is a pretty memorable guy. Even yeah. though I'm not that into him, but he's he's a memorable like you know villain. It's a character that people that enjoy these types of movies they they know yeah. who Bennett is. Yeah, and and uh, his character in Road Warrior is one of the most memorable guys from from that movie. And yeah. so like, he had these two really like. Memorable Iconic. roles, and it's like, yeah. he didn't really do much after that, unfortunately. I mean, he kept working. He's in a lot of B-movies and things, but... Uh, uh, no, this was probably the peak, was Bennett and Commando. Yeah, probably. But yeah, so, so that mesh thing. So that's I always thought that was a chain mail. Is that not a chain mail? Uh, so for years, almost every evening, I thought it was supposed to be, but when you look at it closely, like the way that it moves, it, it looks like it's macrame. I, yeah, I, I always assumed that too, and then... Same same thing. I watched it this time, and maybe it's because it was HD. I, I will just I'll tell you. Either way, I love it. Either way, whether it's actually chainmail or it's Mac, I think it's funny for different reasons, right. but funny <laughs> both ways. It's, it's eccentric funny. either way. Yes, it's so eccentric. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else likes Kevlar. I I like. Uh, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, so you know, ben, me and Bennett. So he's he he's he's enjoying. Or I guess it wouldn't be Game of Thrones. He really liked the Renaissance Fair. And just yeah. decided. Kevlar's too too modern for me. I'm going with chainmail. It's kind of what it looks like. It's it's almost like well, I like the look of chainmail, but it's too heavy. Yes. What can I do to look like cha- I'm wearing chainmail? I like the look, but the <laughs> comfort of actual chainmail is not what I like. So I'm gonna go with macrame. That was his pitch when he like sponsored it. He's like the look of chainmail. I can't do Australian accent. The look of chainmail. The comfort the of a <laughs> macrame. Yeah. I love it's the it. Best of both worlds. It won't stop a sword, but it'll stop you from being uncomfortable. Yes, but and keep you warm as well. <laughs> exactly. So well, you know, we get uh, the tranquilizer, and now we're going to set up the the premise of the movie. And you know, Bennett's the you know is really the adversary bad guy, but of course he has a boss. Yes, and so we have to establish that. Arius, yes. played by Dan Hedaya, another guy I love. I love him, but it's. And I, I, you know, I know it's the '80s, but it's like, did, did we really need for either a Central or South American? Did we have to have a really white guy to play <laughs> that character? What? I'd say, I don't know what nationality Dan Hedaya actually is, but uh, I mean, he certainly would. I certainly wouldn't say he was you know, South American, any kind of Latin American. No, not at all. But you know, and I remember it's the '80s. The, it, this is what they did. Yes, uh, it, it was a different time. But I just kind of, sometimes I roll my eyes. It's like, man, 
No, it is. It's really... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like, for whatever reason, maybe I have an affection for Robert Loja. So I can give the pass, and the same thing with Pacino in Scarface. I probably shouldn't. I should be as critical, but I can give a pass on that. Well, I think Pacino, I think the thing that it really comes down to is the, is the accent plausible. Yeah. Pacino's, I think, is plausible. I think Robert Loja and, uh, and Dan Hedaya are not... Uh, they're not plausible. Yeah, they're not really doing as well. Dan Hedaya's accent is ridiculous. Yes, it's beyond ridiculous. I mean, I think they just told him, like, do whatever. Like, they're not even striving for they're accuracy. Not, they're not trying to, like, hire him like a dialect coach. It's like, no, it's just like, yeah, just do a silly accent. Yeah, you know what? Valverde, it's a fictional country. We don't know what the <laughs> accent true. would sound like. The Val- so, Valverde accent could sound like anything. It's yes. just, the people of Valverde, they need us. Yeah, whatever I, he says. I, I, like, I think Valverde, I think that should be incorporated or maybe brought back, whether it's in you know some video. I like this idea of this fictional country. Well, it's funny. Reading the trivia about this movie, it has, it has appeared uh, other times. Okay. It is mentioned... And I haven't watched this movie in forever, but it's, I think it's a, a, a place that Steven D'Souza likes to use oh. as a fictional country. Because it's, it's mentioned in Die Hard 2. Oh, well, I And I think that. it's the place that the bad guys from Die Hard 2 are from. Oh, that they're ex- extraditing them from? Yeah. I haven't seen Die Hard 2 in probably longer than I've even seen Commando. It's okay. been so long. But yeah, that's that's what I was reading. And then I guess also it's the place they're in. It's, it's the fictional country they're in in uh, Predator. Oh, apparently right. that all takes place in Valverde. Well, so so maybe Commando and uh, Predator take place in the same universe. I oh, guess? I would that, talk about mashing things up, and how great would that be? John Matrix, <laughs> right? Hunting and, and, the I and mean, Dutch together, and and Dutch together. But let me ask you this: Would the Predator stand a chance against <laughs> no. John Matrix? No, not at all. I mean, Dutch. Dutch struggle. I don't think John Matrix would struggle at all. It would be like a fifteen-minute movie. Well, the the. What would happen is Matrix would get shot by the like the laser, the shoulder can or whatever. He would pop right back up, pick up a rocket launcher, and just blow him away. And or, or, you know, and it would not you think even. So I see him popping up and and getting one. He he saw you know a giant log and he kills he kills the predator with a giant log That's that he true. cut down. That's one thing that Dutch and uh, and Matrix have in common is they love making logs. Yes, they're they're big fans of logs, both of them. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, before we move off of Dan Hedaya, I have to mention the movie Maverick because he's in Maverick. So That's at this fair. point, like I've already set this precedent of talking about Maverick on this podcast. So That's fair. Dan Hedaya is in my- Maverick. I looked up his – he plays Twitchy Poker Player. I looked up <laughs> so, his character name. So I, what I remembered, even at the time when I was watching Commando and saw it for the first time, the only thing that I remembered him in – now, that doesn't mean I hadn't seen his stuff. I remembered him as Carla's husband in Cheers. And yes. I just remember I'm like – why is Carla's husband from Cheers <laughs> yep. a South American? I've assumed it was South American, but it could be Central American. Don't know. Right. Dictator. Right. This does even when I was younger, it didn't make any sense to me. It is strange casting. So to me, he'll always be the police chief in Running Scared. Yes, I, I, you hadn't seen that until recently. No, you introduced I, I it to me, but I can see you know you you had seen that so many times, and that's such a movie from my childhood, which probably right. it shouldn't have been. I don't remember if there's nudity, but there's certainly some things in that movie that I shouldn't have been watching. No. So it, but it's, uh, that's a great movie. It's, it's not a very well-known movie at this point. So, like, Running Scared, the 80s, not the Paul Walker one. I was just going to say, not the Paul Walker. I highly recommend it. So uh, so we get established here, you know, that they're, uh, they're holding Jenny uh, because they want him to... Do an assassination uh, mission on the current El Presidente of Valverde. And the reason it has to be Matrix is because Matrix is the only one that the current president will trust to allow him to get close enough to do the job. 
I, I guess we'll never know why that's the case. Yeah. But that just seems so... It's a flimsy setup. But it's very labored, whatever. this logic. But, yeah, I mean, you, you just ha- you're just asked to buy it. I mean, really, it doesn't matter because he never goes to Valverde, and it's just oh. an excuse to... I mean, what... I mean, I, the movie has to kind of explain what the bad guys want, but once he escapes this plane, it doesn't matter. All that matters, he, they've kidnapped his daughter. It doesn't matter why. He's going to kill them it's and a, get her back. Right, it's so, a rescue mission. It doesn't matter. It's almost like they shouldn't have even bothered... Going into this much of an elaborate, just say like, uh, we need you know, kill this guy. Don't worry about why. Like, just just get it over with so we can get to the rest of this movie because it doesn't matter. Yeah. So what you got there is uh, Bennett was doing it for just a hundred thousand dollars, but he would have done it for free. Right. Yeah. Because uh, they're dropping him off at the uh, at the uh, at the airport, airport. and uh, you you get the lines worked in the, the catchphrase. I'll be back, Bennett. Right. Because I'll be waiting. Yes, we should thank Steven D'Souza for starting this tradition of using I'll Be Back because I think this is the movie that really solidified it. I also like the sport coat they put him in, which I was like, where where did they get the sport coat? I don't know. I mean, everything, Henrique, I can't tell you how much (laughs) I love for a guy who who really doesn't do anything in a movie. Oh, but he's so memorable. I mean, the way he's dressed is so crazy. The way he's dressed. His hat on? It's like, to me, what I had here is that I would like to see... Enrique have survived and been in Weekend at Bernie's because I just I <laughs> yeah. see Enrique being like the tough in Weekend at Bernie's. That that's what I see is him as the hitman that go you send to kill Bernie yeah. if Enrique had not been killed by John Matrix. Well, it's because of that shot near the end of the movie where his hat falls off. It's so <laughs> it's so like accidentally comical. Yeah, um, it's the longest setup for that. It's a long line. setup, but it pays off and it makes me laugh every time. Because yeah, Matrix is about to kill, to kill him like two minutes from now. We'll get, we'll get, the, we'll, we'll we'll get our way there. To and then the whole movie goes by and at the end is the shot of his hat falling. Yeah, It makes me laugh. So you've you got a lot of stuff actually here in this airport you know, scene that sets up. You've got the, you're a funny guy, Sully. Yeah. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. I mean, there's it's so great. Sully's because uh, Sully wasn't involved in the kidnapping. It doesn't seem like right. He no, I, it seemed like they weren't involved in the kidnapping. They're just there right. to make sure Matrix gets on the plane, gets off, and basically does the job. He's their the they're the babysitters, right? Which I find interesting. I mean, Henrique he looks like he looks like he could do some damage. I'm like, if yeah. Matrix breaks free, Sully is uh, he. He just seems like a con man or something. Yeah, somehow he seems like he should be the one selling cars. <laughs> right? Yeah, he really does. I do like these sunglasses. He has like part of me genuinely likes them. Part of me just like they make him look like such a smarmy guy. Yes. <laughs> like it's, uh, yeah, these these Sully's great. He's a great character. So then you've got Enrique and uh, Matrix getting on the plane. <laughs> the uh, the airline um, air, they ask if they have, he has any carry on luggage. I like that. I said, just him. Just him. That's a really funny line. I think it's well delivered and very funny. I was also kind of blown away that in 1984, 85, they're still boarding from the tarmac. I, I was I was blown away too. It, um, that was surprising. But may, I think it's just we're, we're so far removed at, at this point. I, I think even after 86, I have a, I have a feeling... If you saw movies from like the early '90s, there may you may still have been able to. Really? Yeah, I I mean I can't say it for 100, percent but I just because probably it, depends on like the airport. And yeah, whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is L.A. I think, right? Yeah, it's, I think it's supposed to be. LA. It's so weird to see people like as if it's like the '50s, like boarding an airplane from the tarmac. Um, so they get on the plane. Yep. 
I, I there, there's so much I love, <laughs> I love about the sequence with Enrique. I, well, first of all, it's first class. Yes, like, Dan Hedaya spares no expense with this. Spared no expense. This scheme. Well, I mean, they're two big guys, though. I mean, they need, need a lot of leg room. You don't want to be jamming them back in coach. Oh, I mean, if I were them, I'd want to be in first class. Yeah, it's it supposed to be, what was it, a 12 or 11-hour flight? Whatever it is, it's, it's a 11. long flight. 11-hour flight. Yeah. That's a long time when you, you're a tall drink of water like John Matrix. Yeah, absolutely. I cut you off, sorry. <laughs> what are the things so, you like about I, yeah, this? I, I, the, the, <laughs> there's so many things on the kill of Henrique, but I think maybe my all-time favorite is that <laughs> Enrique like makes a touchdown signal when he's killed by Matrix. When he, when he, he like does he? Yes, he like puts his arms up in the air for you know. Oh, when, when he, he's breaking his neck. Yes, when he's breaking his neck. I just it makes me laugh every time that he's like signaling that it's a touchdown because I, I think that, that that was a, a choice that was made by the actor that's playing Enrique. And it just makes me laugh every time. Well, it's probably like he had to like really sell that he's being killed. Like probably the director's like, I can't tell that you're being killed. Like you got to really like jerk your body. <laughs> he jerks and- his body, but what's so great? Is that the people that are sitting around? There's these two giant guys. <laughs> yeah, I know that's the part. That's one of them signaling touchdown, yeah. and, and the other passengers they they are just totally oblivious yeah. to what's going on. They're none the wiser. I mean, he oh. punches him in the nose and then breaks his neck. Nobody notices it. No. I, I'm sorry, I gotta get my composure, but the touchdown signal is just great. I kind of want to. I'm gonna. Find pull, it. pull it up for yourself, you know, because I mean that entire sequence—that's a pretty good sound clip to have because you got you got some puns in there with uh, my. F- please, please do not disturb my friend. He's dead tired. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, let's let's find it. But but the, the the signal for touchdown just makes me laugh every time. All right, here we go. Seven B, sir. Oh, I, I, I put it ahead of uh, carry-on luggage. You got, you you got that? That's a good sample too of the, the the music, which I think is good in this. Movie. I agree. This is a really great score. Henrique, Henrique is oh. a big dude. Just him. Okay, there it is. <laughs> Just him. I wasn't sure. I remember as a kid. Open your mouth again, and I'll nail it shut. I'll save this thought. You must fasten your seatbelt, sir. Thank you. Can <laughs> I have a blanket and a pillow, please? Sure. <laughs> Well, I remember you really liking him going, can I have a manual, please, and twins? About the, about. He is very polite. I, I do like he's this, this moment where he sees the door closing and... He's sizing it up. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we're now preparing for departure. Do you please make sure that all your... Yeah, this guy, he's got a white suit on and a Hawaiian shirt. Yes. <laughs> he's got that pith helmet. I do love it's Enrique. It looks like he, he probably wore that to like Studio 54 in like 1973, and everyone told him it was cool, and then he just kept wearing it the rest of his life. <laughs> Shortly after that, we'll be showing our feature film. <laughs> <laughs> Our assignments are Susan and Lance, and I'm Vince. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Thank you, and have a safe That's really funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, we, we might as well just keep watching through the pun now, because that, that, that's really funny. He does. He jerks his hands up, so he puts the hat over his face to cover yeah, his face. He puts the, the blanket on. Excuse me. How long is the flight? We land in Valverde in exactly 11 hours. Thank you. And do me a favor. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. There it is. He's dead tired. I love how quick the pe- the cut is too. It's just like they they just punctuate it with that. Uh, so yeah, I, so is- much so much about Henrique. Again, he, the guy is in the movie for maybe a minute and a half. No, it's yeah, just just the visual, the way this guy looks. It's really the like- way the guy looks, and I'm, I'm glad I could point out that touchdown has made me laugh. <laughs> 
so many years of my life when I watched it. I did it. not even notice it. Yeah. <laughs> Once you're looking for it, it's really, it's really funny. Yes. Uh, but anyway, that's pun number two and body number six. Just yes. keep and, us up to date. And uh, so Sully had been watching the entire time from the, uh, from the gate. Yeah. And uh, he, 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 he's led to believe that once the plane is up in the air, all is well and he can uh, go about his business. Yeah. Well, if he leaves, he calls. Uh, I guess, does that happen next where he calls and reports in? Or is, he, we get, yeah, we get, he, uh, he goes to make a call, and you're getting the sequence of while Matrix is making his way through the bowels of the plane and jumping into a swamp yeah. completely unscathed because he is an unstoppable killing machine. Well, that's, that's what I was referencing earlier. Like One of the things is how quickly people recover from like incredibly... like Traumatic? Yeah, he... he jumps off he yeah he climbs down to the wheel well which he must he like apparently knows yeah. everything about this like jet how, how like, where everything is and then yeah he jumps into the swamp immediately bounces back up and starts crawling t- towards the land he's like he doesn't even have it doesn't even take him a second to like gather himself no and he lands and immediately starts like pushing his way through and the other thing that's funny about timing is that we said how slow my tricks must be but then this sequence he's Sully is just walking through, you know, the airport, and Sully is either really, really slow, or Matrix is outrageously fast because he's able to make his way to the bowels of the plane, jump into the swamp, run down the tarmac, yeah. get into the airport, and find his way around. And then, in the, and I'm, I'm assuming it's supposed to be LAX. He's able to find Sully. So Sully has either been making a lot of phone calls, or walks really, really slow, or Matrix. Has just he's had like ludicrous speed. Yeah, well, he does you know make his way back as quick as he can. He hops on the back of like, one of the like like tarmac trucks or whatever. And I do like he immediately ditches the sport coat. I mean, he yes. jumps on the plane, just like ah, the sport coat, like the garbage. Bad guys gave it to me. I don't want it. Um, and so yes, that's so, where he sets the watch because I really like this this like the idea of this as a countdown timer. Yeah, because a lot of movies have countdown timers, but here, here it's like. When he when that plane lands is when they'll know that he escaped. Therefore, he has to you know time it with that. Yeah, that's really clever. I think and I think it's I haven't seen anything like this before or since. I I mean I I think it's an effective tool. The issue that I have is that and it's established here. He gets it set up, but the for a guy who is you know a, a trained special forces commando who you know stealth is one of his weapons. He has the loudest digital <laughs> yeah. watch with a timer. But it only seems to make noise when he's staring directly at the timer. Because the rest of the movie, you don't hear, boop, boop, boop. You don't hear the countdown. But you do when he stares directly at his watch. You texted this to me today. Yes. and I was kind of Sorry bu- I ruined it. I was kind of bummed. You, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was such an amazing observation of like, yeah, it's only when he looks at the watch is when it starts beeping. And then yeah. he looks away and there's no more beeping. No more beeping. Um, yeah. Whoever, when has there ever been... I guess it's just a movie thing of just like, well, there's a timer; it should be beeping. But like, what, has there ever been a watch that just beeps down every second? I, Who would buy that watch? Well, yeah, it would be in a very, very annoying watch. Right. I, I wonder if you could set up an, an Apple Watch to do that. Just like, what, only oh, when I'm would, turning my, just do, like, like, it, only when I'm looking directly at it, it has like a retina, you know, yeah. recognition that it knows when you're looking at it. Whoever, someone should make that. It's like the Commando Watch app of just like it turns your your Apple Watch into the his watch from Commando. We've we've got all kinds of good ideas on this podcast. I, I agree. It only beeps when you turn your wrist. So uh, Sully goes and uh, heads to the phones. Arnold's chasing him, and we now have the establishment of Cindy uh, in this scene. 
Radon Chong. Yeah, Radon Chong, the heiress to the Tommy Chong. Yes, uh, the, the Cheech and Chong Empire. Yeah, well, I was going to say the, the paraphernalia empire. But uh, yes. Tommy Chong has a lot of empires. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's heiress to all of them. Um, yeah, I, I I never knew she was Tommy Chong's daughter until... Nope. Looking into, you know, just doing a little bit of research here. I, Same here. I kind of see the resemblance, but only a little bit. Like, I would, I wouldn't have never. Even with her name, I would have never put two and two. I, I, until doing this, I never actually clicked through to see anything about her or what else she had been in. Sure enough, I'm like, wow, Tommy Chong's daughter had no clue. Yeah. So what we uh, get established here is Sully lives up to those smarmy sunglasses because he's yeah. quite the stalker yeah, and kind yeah. of a, a low life. She's still she's still on the phone with this guy. Yes. Like it's obviously like her whatever is going on there is yeah, not going well, but he's just like, oh, yeah, he's not he's not uh, going to see you. I, I'll have dinner with you. She's, like, she's still talking to this guy. Yeah. At least wait for her to hang up. Get out of here, Sully. <laughs> I know that uh, you're a funny guy and everything, but that doesn't mean every woman is interested, Sully. Well, he cert- certainly thinks so. Yes. Well, he he has an opinion about the mall later. <laughs> what kind of a place it is? Yes. Why he likes going to that mall? Yes. Yeah, uh, just the, the kind of guy he is. The um. So he he insults her and really makes a big leap. It, it's amazing that if you have no interest in this short, uh, not very well dressed uh, guy that you met at the airport, yeah. you're a uh, falcon. Uh, falcon. I don't know. I don't know what we can fill in for whore. Oh. <laughs> I guess we'll just go with that. That's not a curse word. Yeah, I guess it's not a curse word. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that whole thing in. That, that's, I think the fill in for horror is horror. I, that, already, I, I, I said I said horror in. Uh, the last episode. Yeah, in that, the, that's in clean Mc, enough. In McMain. That's clean enough. So yeah. I don't know how Sully makes that leap. He does not take rejection well. Let's no, just leave it at sure. that. So um, at this entire time, Matrix has been following uh, and stalking Sully, which means he's stalking Cindy. Yeah. And then he, he effectively takes Cindy hostage. This sequence forever has been burned into my memory from the first time I've seen it that... He takes her, you know, hostage. But the fact that one, I know they're just doing it to show how strong he is. He yeah. rips the seat out of her car, the passenger seat. But what I've always loved for maybe not thirty years, but at least twenty years, it literally you can still see the stunt double slash Arnold. It has accomplished almost. He's destroyed her car and accomplished <laughs> nothing, and it just makes me laugh every time. I think the idea is that he's he's able to duck down and be in, inconspicuous, but yes, like you know, but yeah. you're right. The point was to make it so he could get down lower, but the, you can still see him. Right? Yeah, it's not it's not actually doing anything. It's just you're right. It's just to show how strong he is that he can rip out yes. the seat. Well, the, the thing about this, and I have to give credit to my friend Jamie who pointed this out. Uh, she was watching, it just happened to be on TV, Police Academy, the first Police Academy. There's a scene in the original Police Academy, and I remembered it once she said, pointed it out, where Bubba Smith, like, Mahoney's trying to teach Hightower how to drive, and the car okay. is so tiny, and he can't yes. drive, and so he just rips they out had the Bubba front Smith seat. Out. So it's the exact same thing, it's just to show how strong this guy is, and it's just like, that... So and that was a year before Commando, so oh. whether or not... Uh, whether know, or not it's stolen, we don't know. But it's, apparently this was just... An 80s thing of just, uh, you know, movies where big dudes are tearing out seats just as a gag. Like, 80s audiences love this, apparently. 
Uh, sort of like what? What was it on on McBain that we said that the the writers thought was real? Oh, instructions. That right. The the the, uh, the writers in McBain thought instructions are funny. The eighties writers were saying, "Oh yeah, have big strong guys ripping ripping car seats out." Well, and this movie has instructions about uh, yes. missile launchers too. So yes. it's, it's, this these are all the things that eighties audiences love. Planted the seeds. So I, I had that Cindy is suffering from Stockholm syndrome syndrome very quickly because yeah. she she's willing to follow Sully who has insulted her and been, you know, very, very rude and really kind of frightening. And then she's taken hostage and is willing... Well, at this point, she's afraid she's going to be killed. Like, she, she's... The Stockholm Syndrome comes later, but, yeah, for now, she's just doing it because she thinks that Arnold's just going to kill her. I guess you're right. Maybe, maybe I was a little early on that note of Stockholm Syndrome yeah. setting in. But so they follow follow Sully to the mall where he's, he's heading to do a uh, buy some passports... Which I think is an interesting location for for the deal to go down, but whatever. Yeah, no, is this are these passports for like all of or for Bennett and everybody? Or is it, I don't understand what the point of this passport I, stuff is. I don't understand it either because you'd think if they were headed to Valverde, if they're heading there with this former dictator, that he should be able to find his way in. But maybe not. You know, maybe they do all need uh, fake passports to get in. Yeah. So anyway, this is uh, I looked up this mall, Sherman Oaks Galleria Mall. And this is the same mall that was in Terminator 2. Yeah, the so. gallery. It's, it's a okay. huge, huge mall. See, I, I, I would have never recognized it, but uh, okay. I think I think it's I think all those like weird balloons in there that I think only in there. I think I think that's all set dressing. I think the yeah. movie. No, they put, yeah, that put those in there. Yes, because they needed him to be swinging around on yeah, something later. Absolutely. So, but yeah, I think this this is where she changes her mind because she goes in. He tells her like, "My daughter's captured." Yeah, he gives her the story. Yes. Right. And so I just, he says, oh, you're, "Your only chance I've got," which I don't know. I don't know why, really. I guess he he needs to make sure that Sully doesn't see him. Yes. So he needs someone to lure him out, right, or something. But I'm not sure why he so desperately needs her help. It's, I would think he would just go in there and like punch Sully in the face, and you know, yes. what does he care? Sully is not an intimidating guy, especially not when compared to John Matrix. But it's like all he has to do is make sure he doesn't get to a phone. So. He, you know, just walk up to him and grab him by the throat and drag him out to the car. What? What? Is, why does he need her help? But you know, I, the movie wants her to be involved. Like this, She's the movie the comic wants relief. Her, yeah, their movie wants her to be this, you know some kind of a female presence, and she's it. And so, yeah. you know, that's that's really all it is, which is fine. But so they need to think of a better reason for her to be involved. I I can't uh, disagree on that. But so Cindy heads over. She tells the one of the mall cops that uh, this this big guy. Has uh, put her up to something, and then uh, she's. What I love is she. She still is within you know striking distance or sight of Sully, yeah. so she still accomplishes the mission despite the fact uh, it wasn't intentional. Well, she almost screws it up because Sully gets to that phone. Yes. Uh, luckily, you know, Matrix gets there and stops him from making the call in time. But uh, before we get to that, though, I love she's like, "There's a big guy out there. He's like, he's really scary." Blah blah. And the the mall cop kind of looks out and. Uh, Sees Arnold out there, and Arnold tries to duck back, but he's still sticking out. He's the he's worst. He, you're, like you said before, he's he's the he's so terrible at stealth. Yes, he looks like Charlie Brown hiding behind the skinny tree. You know, gonna, about, like, that, yes, absolutely. And that's the thing is, I have there, there's an observation I had later of his stealth for being a well trained, but he has no ability to blend in or hide whatsoever. But but it's like you, I get why. Like why should he ever have to hide from anybody? He's, he's an unstoppable killing machine. Yeah, exactly. It'd be like uh, you know. You don't build a tank for stealth. It's no. like it's designed to just blow things up. You don't need to hide a tank. That's what John Matrix. Yeah, he's says. the human tank. 
Here's the other guy the, who love he really relishes the MF. Uh, yes, the other mall cop. Yeah, he's one gigantic, gigantic Mister Falconer. Yeah, that, that that guy even more than the earlier. Oh, guy. that guy's really hamming it up. And um, so yeah, so we're gonna have a bunch of mall cops swarming. I just love that the Galleria can't handle the two Terminators uh, in a few years, but they have like. 40 or 50. I mean, yeah, they have like a, a small army. This is a ton of mall cops. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's comic. I mean, it really is comical. Well, I, There's I, no way this mall could ever make any money with the amount of security that they have. I think part of it is in one of the IMDb trivia, it said that this this uh, movie had more stuntmen on the payroll than actors. Oh, I didn't see that. So I wonder if it's just like, we got all these stuntmen. Let's just dress them as mall cops and have a big fight. <laughs> In a big Keystone cop yeah, fight. Yeah, you know, they're getting double duty. It's like, yeah, they can be. They don't just need to be Valverde soldiers. They can. I, they can be in the small scene. So you've got a couple things that happen here. I, I love how who I don't. I didn't have the character's name, but who Sully is buying the passports from? Talk about overreacting, right? Oh yeah, I think it's the same thought. The the guy is selling. You know, I'm no one, counter, no, nobody knows who he is. He's yeah. selling counterfeit passports. Why does he come out just firing? Bullets. I know. Just close up your briefcase and walk away. Yeah, he's really freaking out. This guy. Yes. He, he's, he. I mean, he must really like live in fear of the police. Like any hint of any kind of police trouble is just like they're here for me. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, he must be the most paranoid guy. In yeah. The uh, even when you know, like when a, uh, a, a an ambulance or a fire truck, any siren is driving by and he's driving, he's probably like freaking out and get. <laughs> he get starts a, shooting at him. Probably he's shooting at him or like speeding up and starts like a high speed chase for right. no reason. <laughs> Who's this guy? He must have done something. He must have done something wrong. Yeah. So, so he he and he picks the worst time to come out shooting because. All these guys are mall cops, and then as soon as he comes out shooting, two real cops show up with yes. guns. Yes. These mall cops don't have guns. So he should have, if he wanted to shoot anybody, shoot the mall cops. They can't shoot back. No, he waits for the real cops to show up, and then he freaks out and shoots one of them. Yeah. Yeah, this is seven and eight. So he shoots a, a cop, and then the other cop shoots him. Yes. So Sully is uh, headed, as you said, headed for the phone, gets to the phone booth. What I have in here is this, I think, is what uh, you may or may not remember from the movie The Usual Suspects. The opening, oh, maybe not the opening, but the interrogations when Benicio del Toro's character is saying, "Yeah, he'll he'll flip you." The what? He'll flip you. He'll flip you for real. I think this is what he was referring to: was this phone booth where he literally rips it off the wall and yeah. just flips Sully over. It is fantastic. It's pretty hilarious the like, the way like there's a shot of him like shaking it and the glass is breaking. Yes. And Sully just decides to be a pacifist for a moment because he's got this gun and he's why does do something all he has to do is shoot him and i don't know i don't know why. maybe because he's shaking so much like they should have just had a shot of him dropping the gun in the booth yeah and then like as he's once he flips it he's scrambling and he picks it back up because there's no reason why he shouldn't just shoot but you should major. be firing as wildly as the passport guy yeah uh and also this is another instance of a character like recovering from a trauma way too quickly he yes. flips this phone booth and suddenly just <laughs> pops right back up and runs away like nothing happened at least it's fair, though, right? That it's not only Matrix yeah, that pops back up. At least they made the bad guy pop back up, too. It's like a whole universe of... There's, there, there's no such thing as an injury in this movie. Either you're fine or you're dead. Yes. There's it, no in-between. It's, it's sort of like, yeah, I guess I'd say in some ways like Wile E. Coyote. But he does get injured, but he's always right back chasing the road. Yeah, it is kind of what it is. That's yeah. exactly right. I mean, maybe that's why this, this kind of a movie... Maybe that's kind of the secret of... You know, doing cartoonish violence and not having it seem like gross or because like this movie is just fun action movie violence. You know, it's it's violence, but it's not like violent. You know right. what I mean? 
maybe that's the key is just like injuries are the things that make, are, it, it, make it seem more real right like it, the, these people all get clean deaths you know <laughs> except for one guy the guy who loses his arm maybe is an exception yeah <laughs> we'll get there well yes uh, so you get um, Sully there, there's a chase and as you said Arnold is swinging from balloons or whatever it is that's well, f- decorating the mall well first the, all the mall cops like dog pile on top of him and he pulls a Neo and uh, like, yeah, bursts out there like, it is you got it <laughs> does that beat you to it all, yes all the Agent <laughs> Smiths have just been scattered <laughs> I mean it's almost exactly like yeah. the same thing I mean, that's how strong he is it's like these 20 guys he knocks them all back they're no match for John Matrix and then yeah this thing where he's swinging on a balloon what do you yeah. think about this because no, I'm not into it I'm not into it either I think that is kind of weak it, it, I, and you know maybe part of the reason is this is an early Arnold movie is still like still like they're still defining the persona or he's still defining his persona but this kind of stuff he's not a swashbuckler no you know he shouldn't be sw- like, he's a blunt instrument he's a mountain like he yes. should not move everything else should bounce off him and he should be the one standing stock still killing everything yes. swinging on a, a balloon it's like the exact opposite thing and it's so obviously not Arnold also like, yes. it just, it, it's not well executed yeah it, this, that really like puts a sour taste in my mouth that swinging I mean it's 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 a nice stunt there's actually another stunt earlier and it actually it, the movie doesn't do a good job selling it at all where he there's, he's on that like central pillar or whatever and he jumps across Cause it's like a three-story drop. Yeah. He jumps. You know what I'm talking about? Where he yeah. jumps into the stairwell. Yeah. And, and you, it, the movie does not make it clear how far Big it is and how yeah. far of a drop it is. It's like I, I was watching it going like, that's actually a really impressive stunt. Some stuntman jumped across that chasm, and the movie does such a terrible job of making you realize like it, how impressive you, you don't have a sense of like the the spatial relations. Just yeah, it's a really impressive stunt. The movie totally undersells it. At least at least they like make the most of that dumb balloon swing. Yes, <laughs> as dumb as it is. So they get chased out to the car. Sully gets in his Porsche. Um, Matrix, you know, he, he gets hit by a car. Unlike his, uh, you know, the uh, <laughs> the Cadillac apparently can do more damage than a Porsche. Maybe, Porsche. It's the, maybe it's the American craftsmanship. Yeah, it's the American workmanship right there. Workmanship. Uh, but Matrix does get Sully's rearview mirror. I don't know if you noticed that. But oh, really? I, I don't know if it was intentional or just like the stuntman. You know, knocked it off, but the the rear view mirror does come off. Is it back in the next scene? Like, I, I didn't notice that he takes it off. Well, there's so much in terms of yeah, the Porsche is damaged, repairs itself, but then is damaged again. That's, which, why, that's why I asked. Yeah, this definitely happens later. I, I should have I should have looked to see if that mirror was back on. I I don't know. Yeah, but again, uh, Matrix pops right back up, getting hit by a car. It doesn't even notice. It's, it's like getting bit by a mosquito to him. Yes. He doesn't even notice it happened. Just knocks it off. He goes. Like, Where did I get the scar? And. <laughs> He's stealing, effectively stealing Cindy's car, which she then is like running out to the front of the mall. Yeah, this is the part where she gets Stockholm syndrome. Well, we skipped yes. over the part because a, a cop's about to shoot Matrix. That's right. She goes, "No, like, oh. where did that come from? Like, why is she like all of a sudden?" I guess she sees Sully and she sees like, "Oh, like that guy." Like, maybe she comes to believe his story or whatever. But yeah, and Sully is a bad guy because the passport guy's just running out and firing. <laughs> right. Firing shots at people. But the part that really, I, I, I think it's the least believable part of this movie, is when she runs out saying, stop, stop, and then he yeah. stops and she gets in. It's like, why would she want to come along and why would he want her to come along? It doesn't even matter if she believes him. Yeah. Like, she wants to what help. Val- yeah, what value do, can she add? Why would he stop? And I think this is the reason. Like, I didn't mind her so much this time, but I, my memory of this movie is really disliking her. I, now I don't think I really do, but this scene, this chase, I think is why. Because she voluntarily voluntarily comes along, and then the whole chase is going like, ah, look out! 
loud, like yeah, screaming. She, and she's just screaming and going on and on. I think she's much better the rest of the movie, but this scene... Is, this scene is the weakest, and I've got that she... At some point, she gives the Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone face where she she puts both of her you know hands <laughs> yeah. on I, It's just annoying. The only good thing that I took took from it, and you're right, it's the weakest part. She is... This is her weakest scene. Uh, but what I love is when she gets through with her tirade that's just annoying... Arnold's response, no. Right. I just love, no. That's his response. Yeah. Maybe we should just play this stuff because. To highlight. (laughs) There's. He's just got hit by. Yep, the rear view mirror is on the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw it this time. Man, that steel drum's really working right now, too. I was going to say, the first time watching this movie, like when I was younger, I didn't like that steel drum stuff at all. Now I love it. I love it. It's great. Oh, the rear view mirror's still gone. So she's rushing down. She needs yeah, a escalator. Sound. Wait! Wait for me! Don't you go anywhere! Who the hell are you, huh? But why does he stop? She she just put his daughter at risk by yeah, yeah, selling him out. I yeah. help you find your daughter, which I very kindly do. And then you get me involved in a shootout where people are dying and there's blood spurting out. Yeah, she's summarizing the whole movie. Yep. Swing from the ceiling like Tarzan. And then there's a cop that's going to shoot you and I save you and he starts chasing me. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's so bad. What? No. 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 There's Home Alone. It's the worst. It is a really bad sequence. And you're right. She's summarizing all of that stuff. It's almost as if this is going to be the trailer and we're just going to tell you all of the setup because really all you want to see is him just wrestling and killing people anyway. Right. It, is, it does kind of feel like a commercial for the movie. Like yeah. they, just, they could just cut out that 30 seconds and play it and on TV. Him, and, yeah, play her telling what happened. And he says no and then, you know, commando in theaters now. Like exactly. it, That pretty much sums it up. So then you've got, uh, you got the car chase. Yeah, it's not a great car chase. It's not a great car chase, but what is great is the resolution of it. Um, and also, there's a bunch of damage done to Sully's car, and, and eventually in a later shot, <laughs> the damage is gone, but then in an even later shot, the damage is back. Right. But Arnold in Cindy's car is careening, probably at 60 miles an hour, hits a pole, yep. gravity doesn't matter, and neither of them have seatbelts on. It is awesome. It, it, the editing is hilarious, because they slam into this pole, and they and cut right to him, perf- both of them perfectly fine. Are you okay? You know, like, yes. He's very uh, calm. Like nobody- Calm immediately, like nothing is happening. They have not just run into a pole at 60 miles an hour. I mean, it, just, it must be intentional, right? Like, they're just, they're, they're intentionally making this a cartoon where nobody yeah. is ever getting hurt. They're, like, even, even the high-stakes situation of his daughter being kidnapped, there's no real stakes. Like, you know... Oh. Arnold can't be hurt, you know, Matrix can't be hurt, etc. Like, you're just kind of along for the ride. So, uh, you then get the... Um, Meanwhile, Sully doesn't, he doesn't recuperate nearly as quickly. No. He, he can't get away. <laughs> Sully cannot get away, and uh, Matrix is going to get the information that he needs. Yeah. Here's the scene I know. I, the only times Commando comes up in conversation with us, it's this scene. Yeah. So that's, I know how much you like this. Yeah. It's a great exchange. I mean, it's it's really really good. Yeah, I mean, Sully's you know kind of in here as the you know villain comic relief, and then it really is for this scene of where Arnold is literally holding a guy. Right. It, it, it's pretty impressive, right? He's a pretty strong well, guy that he's just literally holding him. It's his weak arm, though. But it, it is. He needs to let him know that it's his weak arm. Yeah. 
Uh, and so it's perfectly written. I mean, yeah, it's exactly right. It's it? everything that it should be, including um, other than Cindy not apparently knowing what's going on when later <laughs> right. it sets up yet another pun. Yeah, she, there's nothing in the way. Like, there's no like billboard there's no or obstruction something. Yeah, or anything. She, she's two feet from what's going on. She's just uh, maybe not grounded in reality, or she's thinking about other things. Uh, but anyway, he, he's holding Sully out looking for the information and. Uh, but he already has the information. That's, that's what's funny is that I don't know if he's just torturing him or what. I or think he is. He's just doing it for fun. So uh, he he reminds me, Sully, you remember how I said I'd kill you last? That's right, Matrix. You did. <laughs> I lied. Yeah, and then the dummy is hilarious. Yeah, like, the dummy is not very well done. But even that, I wouldn't change because it, oh. it's so perfectly it yes. so perfectly fits the tone of that scene. Like, of course, it's a terrible dummy that falls off this cliff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's the part that makes me laugh whenever it comes up. It's not just, hey, remember when I said I'd kill you last? I lied. It's Sully interjecting. <laughs> he's going, that's right, make sure you did. <laughs> like, like he's, only, like, he's only just now remembering that he said that. He's like, that's right, he did. You can't kill me. Like, Hey, I, I do remember that now. <laughs> he thinks that's he's so got funny. You know, like his own get out of jail free right. card. <laughs> right. But, you know, I think, I think a, a lesser writer would have had Sully say, hey, Matrix, you can't drop me. You said you'd kill me last. You know what I mean? But no, no. Matrix brings it up just to tease it. Yes, it's the... Hey, you're going to get out of this. No, you're not. No. Nope. <laughs> it's so good. You just need to worry about gravity. <laughs> uh, but no, you're right. Is that a, a week... Because, I mean, I think this entire scene is playing it for, for laughs. Yeah, 100%. And, and it is much funnier of having Matrix remind him. And then, it is. you know, like the little... You know, it's basically the bully holding the little kid, shaking him for his <laughs> lunch money, and then just... Haunting him. Yeah. That's right. You know the little the little smarmy kid. That that's right. You you, you did say that. Yeah. I lied. <laughs> Just letting him go. Yeah. And then yes. Yeah, so then you get the setup for yet another pun where Cindy somehow has not seen any or heard any of this go on. <laughs> no. Uh, and she asks, uh, "What happened to Sully?" I had to let him go. So you called it a pun, and I guess that you've you've made your ruling on this. But I I actually did not initially have this down as a pun because not- well let me ask because. It's not a pun because he's just stating a fact. It's not. There's no double meaning. He let him go. He's just saying what what he did. It's he not did, like, but you know that the implication, even though it doesn't make right, we'll sense, count it. was supposed to be in somehow he, Sully was in his employ. Yeah, it's not and, as if. Yeah, it's not like Sully. Was, I have the same issue with the end of True Lies, where it's like. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's it's. I a, say that one has to go on the count. You have right, to have we'll, a Sully. We'll count it, but it's almost like it's almost like an anti pun because he's just stating a fact. Yeah. I let him go. Like it's, it's, there's no double meaning. He let him go. But uh, he says, we'll count "I had it. to let him go." Oh, does he say I had to let him go? Okay, that's that's okay. That's more of a pun. I had to well, let him go. No, I think it is. I let him go. Do, do we need to verify now? Just verify. I took those. I take you where I'm supposed to meet him. But you won't. Uh, why not? Because I already know. <laughs> he shakes the key in his face. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's right, Matrix. You did. I lied. Dummy, <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. It's really amazing. So now you don't have a car. <laughs> it looks like she watched him murder this guy, and then she goes, "It looks like now you don't have a car." Like that's her reaction to yes. <laughs> Matrix killing this guy. But yeah. I guess she didn't see it. Somehow she didn't see it. Matrix is so <laughs> powerful. Just push the car over. Yeah. It's like a Mentos commercial. <laughs> now I do. Now I do. What'd you do with Sally? I let him go. Either way, it's, we'll count it. It's a pun. It's a pun. 
Uh, so they're now driving for a while. You do get some information. Well, they're driving to the Sunspot Motel. So you get a little bit of him establishing of more his relationship with Jenny, telling um, he shows a picture of Jenny to Cindy. Okay. And then he says all of the places that he was when she was growing up. And it basically he was never around. And then her mother... Uh, yeah, that's not in the... Oh, okay. So that's not in my cut. So this that's is interesting. director's cut. So yeah, it's Laos, Lebanon, Angola, Pakistan. And it's when she was born, she was three, grammar school, and had the measles. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry I missed that. Yeah. That sounds like a, quite a thing to hear Arnold talking about. Now, I, 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 think, I think you see him show a picture of Jenny, but I don't think you get any of that background. You certainly don't get anything in the theatrical cut about her mother. Because I thought that was interesting, the fact that it's, she never even comes up. Yeah, but apparently she does in the director's cut. I think a lot of that is probably. I, I don't think they restored any any of this in the director's cut. But I know at some point when they were making this movie, there was more of a romantic relationship between Arnold and Radon Chong that yeah. I think audiences rejected. They're like, this doesn't work at all. Like, I think there was even like a sex scene. They just totally cut it all out. Oh, wow. Just, they, they they all the romantic angle they cut out. So it, it would make sense if they were going to have that angle. They need to bring up you know Jenny's mother and where is she, et cetera. Yeah. Just to make it clear that he's not like you know cheating on his wife or whatever, like, right? He's gone. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I did not get that scene at all. Okay, so then that at least is something that is different than the director's cut. You get to the Sunspot Motel, uh, and they are looking around in Sully's room a little bit, and Cook arrives. Yeah. Before we get to Cook, I just got like the part that why isn't he calling the general right now? He's he's basically like he's he. His first priority was to stop uh, Sully. Sully from letting them know that he's he didn't go to to Valverde, which he has done. So now, like he can do whatever he wants. Like, you know, obviously he wants to follow this lead, but some like, call the general and get some help. Like you're you're probably right. Yeah, he. I mean, I mean, he would it, still want the element of surprise that they didn't know where he was and that he shows up. But yes, why? I mean, other than the fact that he is John Matrix and he's an unstoppable killing machine. He's like, I don't need, I don't need it's help. The, I mean, but in terms of just getting into, you know, the location and flying in there and, instead of having this garbage seaplane, you know, General Kirby could uh, could assist a little bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, Matrix doesn't trust him because, you know, Kirby showed up and then immediately his house is attacked and maybe could he be. thinks that Kirby's in on it or something. Or but that then, Kirby would try and stop him and not let him go. And, I, yeah, that could be also. But, I mean, later he does call in Kirby's help, but for now it's like he's he's going on it alone. Well, the yes. two of them are going it alone, and it's I would I would think he would at least try to get some help, but you know he's Matrix. He's he does everything. He's himself. unstoppable. He works alone. Yes, he, he even works. though he's got Radon Chong with him, he works alone. Yes. So they're they're looking around Sully's room. They don't uh, they don't find much, and it's pretty quickly that Cook conveniently pulls up. And uh, I whatever I, he does I, like Cadillacs. This is a different Cadillac than he stole. Yes, so he, he was, was not lying. He's he was, a, he's truth. He's an honest man. That's right. Because he said he liked the price, so he is. So far, we've established Cook is an honest man. He liked the price and he likes Cadillacs. <laughs> Everything he said was a fact. Yes. Uh, yes. He's gonna he's gonna set it up so it looks like she's quote unquote room service for Sully. Yes, and Sully's in the shower and. They're going to lure Cook into the room. That's probably believable because Sully seems like a pretty uh, sleazy oh, guy. Com- so. Completely. Yes. I bet Cook is used to seeing this yes. sort of thing all the time. Cook is probably thinking, oh, i got to clean up another mess. Yeah, well, he Cook just, seems like he's the responsible one of the two. He takes it all in stride. It's just like, okay, like this doesn't seem unusual to me at all. So you then get set up where you know Matrix is behind the door and the fight sequence starts out. Here's what I want to know. We get established that 
Cook, uh, Cook is a green beret, and then uh, he eats green berets for breakfast. Right. I want to know. Okay, so what does he then eat? Army Rangers for lunch? Does he have Navy <laughs> Seals for dinner? What do you think John Matrix has? If green berets are for breakfast, what what do you what do you think? Other than those sandwiches that, that Jenny makes, well, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. Those are your four food groups. Right? Okay, that's, so you, that you think that's that's he's got to make sure he gets a balanced breakfast. Yes, yeah, balanced a, diet, a balanced diet. But maybe every once in a while he kills those deers that he feeds out by his cabin, and to get like a, a snack, maybe some jerky. Right. Yeah. It, it, I eat green berets and deer for breakfast. Yes. Okay. I just I wondered if there were other branches of the military that he would eat for other meals. Well, I mean, it's funny because we don't ever learn what he is. Right, he's no. just a commando. Like yes. I, I could have easily believed him to be a green beret, and then it's like, oh, he eats green berets for breakfast. He's even yeah. cool, cooler than a green beret. And the thing is, is I, I I thought the cook was supposed to have been in his unit, so you'd think then that wouldn't Matrix be a green beret too? Cook was no, no, okay, just Bennett. Was it only Bennett that okay? Well, Bennett and those two guys who died because I'm sure there were more guys. Yeah, okay. No, it was Cook. Didn't Cook serve with uh, Sully or something? Or no, Sully and Henrique. Served together, something like that. Some there is some mention of some of these of these guys being in the being military, you know, okay. being like a, a different unit, not Matrix's unit, but a different unit. They all served together, I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Cook was in. Cook didn't know Matrix before all this happened. So you get a uh, a, a a big fight sequence here. I like the beginning of the fight. Like they're, they're taking from the WWF, where he taps him on the shoulder, and yeah. Cook's like, oh, yeah, and, and just jacks him right in the face. <laughs> Tap me on the shoulder. He actually falls for it, which yes. is amazing. Uh, the, then the gun comes out and they're struggling for the gun. It's struggling there. for the gun. Cindy has some, you know, lame being in peril. Uh, and yeah, has, she's like hiding behind a wall. Hiding that. behind a wall. And then apparently she's she must be a vegetarian because oh, right, yeah. apparently if you eat too much red meat, you are just unstoppable killers who grab each other by the... T- well, grab one by the testicles. <laughs> I, I just... I didn't understand. These guys eat too much red meat. I yeah. just... Most of her lot dialogue is... I think they just thought it would be funny that she's like commenting on how macho all this is or whatever, yes. but it's yeah, it doesn't really work. And then Cook gets punched through a wall, a <laughs> right. really flimsy wall, and apparently there's an eighties porno being filmed next door with well, small cameras. It's like a common door. I don't think they actually go through the wall. But they You're should, right. those, okay. do you think those people would have locked their door better considering <laughs> what they're up to? Well the thing that uh, made me laugh is uh yeah, they're filming. They've got a camera in there, but they're under the covers. So it's just like, that's not really going to accomplish anything. Because, you know, when they, when they come in, they're under the covers. They go like, ah, they pop out of the covers. Yeah. So they're filming themselves underneath the covers, which I, I don't think is going to get you much. I just, you're not going to be able to sell that tape for very much. Not very much. I There would be a very specific fetish that likes their <laughs> right. porno under the covers. What I just love that it's so of its time, and it's, oh, man, we got an 80s action movie. we got to have some nudity in here, so let's just... It's the most gratuitous thing. Yes, it's the, it's, it's, it's the classic. Like, I mean, it, it's, it, I kind of enjoy how like, classic it is. It's just yeah. like a, a naked girl going like, ah, and then ah. covering herself up. And, yes. you know, it's uh, as gratuitous, as you said, as gratuitous as it can be. It's like Revenge of the Nerd style. Or, yeah. Does Revenge of the Nerds have that? Or no, I'm thinking of uh, Back to School. Remember yes. Back to School where he, just, he wanders into a sorority and he just opens a curtain and it's just a girl going, ah, and just, that's it. That's, that's it. That's the scene. We got the scene. <laughs> Check that. Check that on the uh, on the script. This, Got it done. This scene serves no purpose other than for that. Yes. So yeah, at least at least there's a fight here. It's you know it's it has you know, it's just a part of the fight. So the other thing I had is that uh, table legs uh, in motels in the '80s were extremely sharp. <laughs> yeah, but it's this movie is full of way too blunt of objects piercing people's bodies. <laughs> 
a much more prominent one at the end of this movie. Yeah. But it's like, there's no way that this would, I mean, I, I mean, either that or he went through with tremendous force to have this thing like well, you know, pierce his body. Yes, the thing is though, Matrix, I can see, you know, him generating a lot of power and force from being, you know, he does uppercut from John Matrix. He does uppercut him like like Mortal Kombat. So it's yes. like the pit in Mortal Kombat. You do the uppercut when it says finish him, you do the uppercut and they fall into the pit. Yes. That's exactly what happened. That yeah, maybe, maybe that's where Midway got the idea for uh, for the uppercut to the, uh, the the spike pit. Nothing would surprise me. It's very possible, but yeah. Cook's number 11 on the body count. So uh, they go out, search Cook's car, because uh, he won't be needing it. Uh, <laughs> so they go out, search it, eventually take it, and find an invoice. The detective work starts piecing together that uh, they need to... Not head to the airport yet, but... Uh, that it, it clearly is its fuel that's being purchased for a plane. Yeah, this part, I mean, I, I enjoyed uh, Matrix sneaking around. And, like, there's this whole scene where he goes to this warehouse. So both of them go to this warehouse. Right. And they just sneak in and they find the location of this island. But I don't I don't quite understand the, the logical path. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter. But, like, they find this invoice for fuel. They follow it to the warehouse that, where they find the map. And then they also learn about this plane that they can they can hijack, and it's I don't quite I, I can't connect the dots, but I don't think it really matters. No, it was just getting them to where they need to be. The, the only other thing I had on that is that a really thick chain and a lock was no match for John Matrix. Yeah, so those bare hands, and bare hands, he just ripped that right off to get into that uh, the outer gate to then stealth around. So uh, so they get the information they need and where they need to go. So they're going to uh, take a look for. Uh, had had to get to the the plane to, because Cindy can well, fly it, of course. That's true, but they have something to do first. He has to do some shopping. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> getting ahead of myself. You're well, right. That's, that's exactly what happened in the movie where she said, "Let's go to the plane." It's like, well, we have to do something first. Yes, do some shopping and like, uh, go to the army surplus. The army surplus is very very well stocked. <laughs> Here's my question: I, I have never shopped in an army surplus store. I, I, my impression was that Army Surplus sells everything but weapons, but maybe I'm wrong. I well, it is 1986. Maybe they, I you know, some weapons maybe, but that cash, no, that doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean, and, go ahead because uh, well, the, I, what I want, yeah. he hijacks an Earth Mover and destroys the building. I mean, yeah, I have no idea where he gets that Earth Mover. He just he just conjures it out of thin air. It's not like there's even a construction site nearby. No, but whatever. Just, he it, finds an Earth Mover. You just yes, have to go. With it, it just feels like another thing on the box, like the gratuitous nudity. Oh, we need some heavy machinery in this movie. He's gonna destroy. He's gonna break into the surplus store with an Earth Mover. See, my memory of it, and it was, it was just obviously me misinterpreting it when I was younger. But my, my, I see. I seemed to remember that this was some kind of safe house. Like, in my mind as a kid, oh. this was some secret, like, army cache, like a secret safe yeah. house that lives in the back of some store that he knows where it is and finds the secret sliding thing. And, that as a, you know, it, as his job as a commando, that's a place where they stored weapons. Right. That's, yeah. that's what I always thought as a kid. I didn't really understand the idea of a the surplus store. But no, it's just a store that has this cache of weapons to set on sale. But as, rocket launchers. As and, a kid, what I would have suggested is that the store owner would have been able to get in there anyway because we've established that Matrix's code just would have been something like 1-3 right. anyway, and it would have been very easy for the store owner to just raid that thing whenever he wanted to. Well, I mean, he didn't have any difficulty getting back there. The difficulty was getting into the store and crashing through the door, but yeah. all he does is find like a button on the... Yes. Right? It's not... There wasn't even a code. No. You know, where most places would have the silent alarm for when they're getting robbed, their solution is they just open their, you know, cash 
cache full of rocket launchers if they're getting robbed and they just kill the uh, kill the robbers <laughs> right. as they're making their getaway. It's probably an alarm. It's probably two, two buttons: one with the alarm, and one with the cache, and they like hit the wrong one by mistake. Yeah. Whoops! Like, oh. <laughs> So I'd, before we move on from the store, a couple of signs. I haven't been doing a lot of signs, oh, stuff, but uh, yeah. I got to get back in the habit of this. It's interesting because one sign, this is an army surplus store, and the sign says, Olympics, Levi's style. What does that mean? <laughs> well, it was 84. It was filmed in 84 in LA, which yeah. makes sense why they were in the midst of Olympic fever. But yeah. just the army surplus store is selling Levi's, you know, Olympics, Levi's style. And then there's another one sign that just says, sign up for scuba lessons now. Oh, I missed that one. You're going to take scuba lessons from like at the so, surplus store? This army surplus store that has high-powered weapons and rocket launchers, you can also get scuba <laughs> lessons at? Where is the pool at? Maybe they were digging a new pool for ah, the scuba lessons. With, and that, earth with, mover, with yeah. the earth mover. Maybe that's why it was sitting around. It, okay? it, it conjures ideas of like some... like. Ex Navy SEAL who just like you know he he knows how to scuba for like because he used to like infiltrate places yeah. but he's like got like he's like shell shocked and has like it's just here's how you scuba when I killed a man in, in Laos you know what yeah. I mean like in the middle of your scuba listen you have to deal with his like flashbacks his Vietnam flashbacks uh, but yeah I would I'd, I'd, I'd take a scuba lesson at an Army surplus store It'd be interesting for it sure. would be an interesting place to learn to scuba yeah. uh, but anyway yeah so this is Vern he grabs all his weapons and but the police get the drop on him yes. Uh, the police have a stealth mode that Matrix does not have because they don't have those watches. Is yeah. basically what it comes down to. He hears well. He hears that helicopter coming. He smells that guy. The cops apparently they were upwind. No, the cops must have been upwind. Yeah, apparently so. Um, but they they have no interest in Radon Chong though. What's, no. her, what's her name? Character's name? Cindy. Cindy. No interest in Cindy. She's she's the one loading all the weapons into the. She's car. got a shopping cart and loading them into a car. And she still has that rocket launcher. They don't bother to say like, "Hey, are you? Hey, you sitting right here? Are you involved in this theft?" They, no, she so yeah. They they take him away and she frees him with a rocket launcher. Like it's kind of a pointless. It is a pointless sequence. I mean, all the, I don't understand how the police establish she's a hooker. I mean, oh, that's right. Yeah, she pulls up hooker. I'm like, yeah. what? What? Yeah, she's and, dressed. She's dressed in her. I mean, she her her shirt is torn open because yeah. he tore it open when she was posing as Sully's. Yeah, but still, I that didn't make any sense. And then what's great is again, it's for I know it's for the comedy, but she fires the rocket launcher and she's got it goes, pointed yeah. the right way, wrong way. <laughs> And what I love is the cops just keep driving. You would think, right? You've just seen a, an, a, right. a, an explosion. They, are, are, they don't even call it in. No, they don't call it in. They just keep driving. <laughs> we didn't see it. You didn't see anything. Pretend yeah. like you didn't see it. If, if we didn't our, see it, we don't have to deal with it. Our shift is over once we drop this, uh, this guy off. We didn't see anything. It didn't happen. Well, especially when you consider, you know, if a guy breaks into an arsenal, like a guy breaks into an army, whatever, a gun store, whatever, and steals a bunch of guns. They're going to send more than two guys. You would think so. This is a dangerous man. He's stolen a bunch of weapons yes. and rocket launchers. It's like, no, two guys. Send a paddy wagon. Pick him up. You know, it, it, she, she very easily frees him. Yes. They're off to the plane. And he, he's unscathed, so he really is indestructible. That at, well, Somehow a rocket launcher, only, all it does is manage to flip an armored car. It doesn't do any other damage, and yeah. everybody in there is fine. Yeah, the movie makes it makes it... It goes out of its way to show that all everyone's fine. The yep. cop pokes his head out the window like the groundhog just to show you that he's okay. I don't know if that rocket was a dud or what, because apparent or that that armor is just as indestructible as John Matrix. And it, blow, it blows a perfect hole for him to climb out. That's, yes. that's but the that's thing. It. Yeah. Uh, so then you 
Oh, this is where the, this is the instructions joke, by the way. We almost skipped that. Where you, How'd you learn to do that? I read the instructions. Oh, uh, you're right. I, and not well enough, apparently, because she shot the wrong way the first time. Yes. Uh, and so they make their getaway. I've got it that you quickly get a, a scene of Jenny as a captive. It's a total throwaway, basically just to remind the audience that she still exists. Yeah. Well, this is, Bennett is saying, because uh, Bennett and Arius are talking about, like, as, as long as we have his daughter, he'll do what we say. Bennett, you couldn't be more wrong. Right. Have you ever met this guy? Yeah. Like, as soon as he has a chance, he, tr- he tries to escapes and you right. know, tries to get her back. Like, he actually thinks that he's going to assassinate this president. Uh, Bennett, you could not be more wrong. Yeah, so the plane, this is where they get the plane. The canoe with wings. The, yes, the canoe with wings. Uh, it, Cindy, uh, the point is, Cindy can fly it. Somehow she, despite being the pilot, can't figure out that she needs to put Full acceleration. You've got to have John Matrix. Right. I didn't know if that just meant it gets extra power because of how powerful he is, and Matrix just like <laughs> channels extra power through and into the plane. It's, yeah, he's not actually. It's not. It's not because he's ramping up the engine. It's the force of his hands yes, pushing. It's how strong he is. He just has pushed and willed this plane higher. Yeah, I, did, I mean, I, either That's one. What I like is, to think. Well, before that, he fonzies the plane into working. Remember, You're she's right, trying to I get. I forgot about that. That he fonzies it. He hits it with the the palm. Uh, yes, yeah, so they take off. There's a couple of guys who try to stop them in a jeep, and he kills both these guys. So. Yeah, those guys in that jeep. What's great is if you if you notice it, that jeep is either not moving or is outrageously slow because they're almost right on top of them when they get in the plane. Yeah, they're fumbling about the plane. He does the Fonzie, all this stuff, and that jeep has not really gotten very much closer. It's like the what is it, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where the, yes. the the guy is riding towards them and he's he never gets closer. closer. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. They're twelve and thirteen, but they don't they don't matter. They they yeah, make they re- short work of them. They really are throwaways. You got the General Kirby shows up on site for the police. Yeah, he's expecting World War Three, and then we get Bill Paxton getting some more work. Yeah, I, I Bill Paxton. I, I did not expect that at all. Nope, I forgot about that. I do love that World War Three line. It so perfectly sets you up for the finale. Yes, it's just like yeah, we're gonna you know get ready for World War Three. Like movies need more of that. Like I, I love that. Uh, but yeah, so, Bill, Bill Paxton is this radar operator. He only has a, yeah. only has a couple of lines. A couple and, of lines, and it's effectively just uh, about the, the plane, and they figure out, oh, we'll just fly low and disappear. Yeah, wow. stuff like that. Like, why even bother with a scene like that? Like, oh, they're, they're, we're going to get shut down. Fly low. Yeah. Okay, problem solved. It's like, we, we didn't even need the scene. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Um, so then we get... We cut back to Bennett, and this is some of the stuff I love. I mean... Yeah, I want to talk about this scene. <laughs> oh, this scene is is just my favorite from the, the pissant soldiers. You've got yeah. so much great dialogue. And, you know, I've, I want you to get some of well, your, your stuff in because I've, I've been dominating, I think, on some of these things. No, it's fine. It's a, movie that, it's, it's a movie that uh, you have a lot more fun no, than me. No, this, this scene has... Ma- a, oh, many of the best lines in this movie are in this scene. It has great bad lines. Like, yes. Uh, the, the fun, fun, bad action lines. Cutting a girl's throat is like warm butter. And <laughs> Bennett, even, even Bennett's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever yes. heard. And it's like, oh yeah, do you think that that pissant soldier, was? He, do you think he was working on that? Like he, he was right. trying to come up with the, the right analogy in right, English? Yeah. <laughs> it's a warm knife through snow. No butter. No, no cheese. No, warm butter. Warm butter. That's yes, right. that's what it is. Uh, Excellent. He practiced it in the mirror all night. And then so Bennett says how I love it when your pissant soldiers try to talk tough. Right. It makes me laugh. And this line, I can't tell you how much. 
John would laugh. If John were here, he would laugh too. <laughs> it, it, to me, that is almost like the beginnings of the most interesting man in the world. That he's just assuming if John were here, he'd laugh too. I love that line. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of one of the, the one of the things I do like about Bennett is he does acknowledge he has a certain amount of like it's 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 kind of a love hate relationship in a weird way. Like he does respect him. He does think like he's. Oh, Matrix is a better soldier than me. Like, yeah. that's kind of what I, the part the part I wanted to talk about here because there's this there's this crazy circular logic conversation they have. First of all, they're just up all night talking about Matrix. Yes, it's it's easy to forget this is the middle of the night, <laughs> and they're just up, just pulling an all nighter, yeah. like chatting about Matrix. Um, that's but, how impressive Matrix is, though, is that he is just dominating the conversation. Yeah, they can't sleep until they know that they're safe from Matrix. So, okay, so so uh, so Bennett says whether or not. Basically, he's saying like ben, uh, Matrix is going to come back, and he's going to be coming after you. Meaning, Arius he says whether his daughter is alive or dead, Matrix is coming after you. And he says like your soldiers can't protect you; they're you know they're piss ants. Only I can protect you. And Arius says, "Well, you're scared of Matrix too. You can't. You're no match for him." And he's like, "Well, I have the advantage. I have his daughter." Like, what kind of circular logic is that? You need me because I'm the only one who can stop Matrix. Why can you stop Matrix? Because I have his daughter. No. So does Arius. Right. Like, he doesn't need you at all by that logic. It's the most crazy circular logic. Uh, I think the chain mail went to his head. There's like, there yeah, might be like some... iron uh, poisoning. Yes, or he had some sort of poison from breathing in too many of the... Uh, I, I, uh, I forget it's not actually iron. I keep forgetting. It's just, it's, it's you know... Macrame. Macrame poisoning. <laughs> but that whole conversation, it's like, what are you guys even talking about? No. Like, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. But it does give you. I I don't know why, but if if John were here, he'd laugh too. Yeah. How do you know what Matrix's sense of humor is? I can't imagine Matrix laughing at anything, let alone. No, he's an unstoppable <laughs> killing machine. Does he laugh? I guess he he, he la- smiles. We do know Jenny Jenny time. He smiles a lot. Yeah. But he, I still don't know if he has humor where he would laugh at something. He does laugh at ice cream being yes. like, rubbed on his nose, like you know. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe maybe he's just he loves uh, like like milk products, like anything related to butter or ice cream. It's like yes. he'll laugh. He loves that. That's his weakness. He loves lactose. So you, we now cut back to the the weekend at Bernie's moment with <laughs> yeah. Enrique. A whole movie's gone by, and finally it's revealed that Enrique is dead. Yes, the fact that it's a pith hat too is like extra funny. I now, love it. Everything this this viewing in particular. I mean, I remembered the. T- the signaling the touchdown. I really had a much greater appreciation for Henrique in this go around. I just yeah. from the hat falling off and the idea of weekend at Bernie's came to me this time. Henrique, I wish we could have got a little bit more of you. Well, he is. I mean, he is actually essential to the plot. Like the fact yeah. that he's dead is going to you know tip off the bad guys. Like he's right. the most important corpse since weekend at Bernie's in, turn, <laughs> in, for, in a movie. You know. <laughs> So, you know. I wonder if there was a sequel to Commando if they would have done like Weekend at Bernie's 2 where Enrique would have been animated by Voodoo. You know what they, it, he, what Matrix should have done is, you know, he, he managed to get Radon right Chong's uh, help. What are the, Cindy. Cindy. I'll, I'll, I will never remember. Um, but he should have convinced someone on the plane to pull a Weekend at Bernie's but it's important that they think he's alive. Just, just tell them he's asleep. Just, you know, put sunglasses on him and then put the voodoo curse like Weekend at Bernie's 2 and he'll dance around. Yes, and he'll dance around and he'll look alive and it'll be safe. <laughs> so, um, you then, now they've landed. The, the uh, Henrique has been revealed as, as dead, but the plane has already landed. Yeah. And I don't know if, 
I won't know for sure. I don't know why Arnold is in a Speedo. No, I don't know either. It, it's all so very confusing. Because one, I thought when people went commando, they don't have any underwear on. <laughs> I didn't know yet. But even more importantly yeah. to me, I'm going to assume that the Simpsons, the writers in The Simpsons, were a fan of this movie. And yeah. the episode, the Poochie episode, which is a movie, which is an episode that has grown on me over the years. I didn't like it at first. It is one of my favorites. They like itchy. They like scratchy. The one kid seems to love the Speedo Man. I'm going to say the Speedo Man is inspired by Arnold in this Speedo. Someone in the commando, when they were doing the commando testing, the yes. audience testing. Someone was Somebody was really dialing up. They, they loved Arnold in a Speedo. I mean, I guess it was a thing where they just figured... We've got Arnold Schwarzenegger. We need to like really show off his physique, but it's like he's going to war. Yeah, and he's he the goes- last thing. This is the most, least appropriate thing. Like if he's a bo- in a bodybuilding competition, it's like yeah, that's an appropriate reason for him to be in a speedo. He's about to imagine like in the like the landing at Normandy. Like they all had speedos. Right. Like that's kind of what a, it's the least appropriate thing. And if he if it hadn't been established that he was bringing all that gear and he was going to be in a boat, I can understand. Like if he was going to swim. From wherever you know he was the, the starting point, then fine. He's in a speedo that happens to be what you know he chose for the least resistance to swim in. But he doesn't swim at all. He's in right. a boat and he's carrying all his gear, so it makes no sense. I it, mean, it, it, part of it kind of makes sense in the terms of like you're, you're, we're, we're coming up in the suiting up sequence is amazing. So yeah. maybe they just felt like, well, he's got. We want a sequence where he puts on all his gear. Let's start him with nothing, but it's still speedos is like at least put him. Put some pants on him. Yeah. Something. Come on. That, because that's the funny thing, too, right? Is he's about to gear up, and he's just putting on clothes anyway. So yeah. it just... I, it, We're supposed to be getting pumped up about him going to battle, and right. he's in this dainty he's, Speedo. <laughs> the one kid seems to love the Speedo, man. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, also, I wonder if... Because I don't know where that sex scene would have gone. So I wonder if maybe it was while they were flying, or if she's like, let's put it on autopilot. Like maybe they, Maybe that's where it is. Maybe that's why he's mostly naked. It's just he just threw on some speedos afterwards. And he's yeah. Just... Other than the sunset motel scene, which even that, I mean, they're going and searching that car. I don't. Yeah, it must have been in the plane because that's where they have like two hours go by. Where yeah. I think they say like it takes two hours to fly there, and they're not really doing anything. That's so, the only place it could be. Unless so maybe was... maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he's basically maybe. naked here. Just, you know, <laughs> he just put his speedo back on. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, so then he he goes ashore, and you're right. It's it's a uh, sort of like a racer. He's gearing up, and this is probably the first one that I can remember an Arnold movie where he's gearing up. It's the ultimate gearing up sequence. Yeah. It will never be topped. No, by anybody. Not, I mean Arnold. I think is done with this sort of a scene, but even so, it, it's perfect. The hero shot. He gets at the end, or he's, he's like he like puts the the gun over his shoulder, yeah. and he's or no, he puts a rocket launcher over his shoulder, and he's, yes, oh, it's it's, it's a. He's got knives. He's got everything. It's it's you know, I'm so jaded to this sort of thing nowadays because you know, I've seen we've seen this sort of thing in movies a hundred times. That that, that suiting up sequence gets me excited. Yeah, I, I cannot wait to see him go and kill those he's guys. He's going to destroy. He's I mean, going really, to war. It's so effective. I mean, yeah. this movie has a lot of faults, but when it's the highs are really high. Yeah, you know, it's got some lows, but when it those peaks are great. The like, things that they it does well does very very. And well. honestly, like I think a lot of this we're gonna we're coming up on the 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 murder spree that he's going he goes on. Like I think a lot of this action sequence go like I said at the beginning it goes on a little long and I think it kind of drags and it's a little samey like just it's just him shooting guys. But you know it because they do such a good job setting it up and yeah. like. You know, getting you pumped up for it that it kind of carries they you want through. To, yeah, it carries you through and they want it to have a payoff where it's not just like two guys. They want to make it look yeah. like, 
all those weapons that he stole were needed for a reason. Yeah, they make sure that you get your money's worth for sure. So he, he initially goes in stealth mode, which I kind of love because you've established already many times that he can't really hide behind poles. And even <laughs> when he, he he's putting on, you know, all the the uh, the black, the the eye, not eye black, but he's putting, you know, he's, he's putting all the paint on. Yeah, it's camouflage. Camouflaging himself, but it's like, Matrix, you're an unstoppable machine and you can't really hide behind anything. Just go right at him. Don't even bother with stealth. Yeah, I don't the, the, the makeup, the, the camouflage doesn't really no. to make any difference. It's a total waste. It's just to make him look tough, you know. He's, he's, he's gonna... So the bodies start piling up, and uh, I, you know, I'll chime in maybe a little bit, but I'll let you start walking through the, the war. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got them one by one, but I don't know if it's worth going through. I, I can just read my, like, my yeah, notes. Just, yeah, whatever just, notes. Just blast it out. Yeah. And maybe we'll cut this out. But, uh, oh, but just before we get to this, I, just, I was kind of disappointed that the, the time, like, I, like I was saying earlier, like the countdown clock, I thought it was a really cool countdown clock. It doesn't pay off. Like, I wanted a scene where he sees the clock at zero, and he's just like, oh, man, I got to hurry up. Like, you know, because the plane has landed. Yeah, you're right. And it's, it's like he's past his t- deadline. They've, they're have they about to call bad guys and say, hey, Matrix isn't right. on the plane. Why doesn't he have a scene where he looks at his watch and says, zero, I got to hurry up. You know, that's maybe that's why he's not, he's got to plow through because he doesn't have time. Like, he can't be sneaky. He's got to just. You're right. There isn't much of a payoff. I mean, they, the way that they pay it off is they establish that the time is up because they show Henrique. But you're right. right. They should have Matrix realize that his time is up. He's looking for the at this audience. watch all the whole movie, and they never show it. Yeah. I just wanted one shot where him looking at it says zero. You're right. But anyway, let's, that's uh, a miss. But uh, I was just disappointed. That's all. But I'll, so okay, body counts. Here we go. Uh, but number fourteen, knife in chest. Number fifteen, slit throat. 16 and 17 is double knife thrower. And then number 18 is his ballistic knife where he says, Como esta? And then he shoots out his like, ballistic knife or whatever it's supposed to. I think that's what that's supposed to be. Well, to it's me, like, I, it was a knife that he shoots out, but you yeah. can clearly see the rope. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, big time. That's what I had. Is, uh, I knew one of them you could see a rope, and it's on that one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're right. I didn't notice the rope. Well, my, my the thing I liked is he says, Como esta? I was like, I, I like that he's informal. He didn't go with the usted. Like, <laughs> You know, kill, killing is an informal act, so you know. Yeah, especially for him, it's nice that he's you know he's being friendly with this guy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Nineteen. Uh, guy who falls off the railing like gun smoke. I like that. The guy, one. the guy at the tower, he yes. like breaks the breakaway railing. You're right. Uh, Twenty and twenty-one guys. There's two guys running out of the barracks. Yeah. He just mows. He's standing. Mows them right down. Mows them right down. Then two more guys come around from the barracks. Twenty-two and twenty-three. And then this is an explosion. So he kills two guys in a jeep. There's a jeep moving. There's two. Basically, he kills four mannequins. That's what I was going to say. So what I love about all this is the mannequins that are clearly outside of the, the building. They're the worst mannequins. They are terrible. HD has not done this movie a lot of favors because, yeah, there's two mannequins in a Jeep. There's two mannequins just standing, like, propped up with They clothes. literally are just propped up like they are at the Army Surplus store trying to get you to buy the clothes <laughs> right. that they're selling there. It looks like they just took them from the Army Surplus store and put them out in front. Or like a bomb testing range. Like, yeah. you know, it's yes. like they test nuclear bombs and just, like, put out, like, mannequins. Uh, okay, 28 through 31, uh, there are four uh, stuntmen that are just getting knocked down by that blast. I'm assuming they're dead. Yeah, that's fair. He wouldn't have left them alive if they were I was just going to say, anything you see that Matrix has done... Right. It's a, it's a death blow. Right? Yes, it, everything... If he just looks at them the wrong way, it's a death blow. Um, yeah, so I, briefly we cut to Jenny, who has escaped at the window. So yes. That happens here. Uh, okay, and then we're back to Arnold. 22, 32 and 33, there's two guards guarding the gate. Uh, to the mansion. Yep. Uh, he's about to blow up the gate with a mi- missile, but some guys show up in a jeep. There's five guys by my account in this. In this I, don't, I wrote truck. Maybe it's a truck. 
The Jeep or a truck. I don't know. Yeah, I went back and, and with a rocket launcher, I went and counted it a couple times. It was five. Five guys. There's definitely five guys in whatever that vehicle is. Yep. He's distracted long enough to kill those guys, and then he uses the rocket launcher for his intended purpose to blow up this, <laughs> the, the gate. Yes. He runs in the gate. Oh, meanwhile, uh, Redong Chong is calling in the cavalry. Yes. So because he's told her, like, as soon as you start seeing hell, all hell break loose. Yeah, and she, when, how, how will I know all hell will break loose? So yes. She's, now she's calling in. And as you know, Chenny has uh, escaped, but mate, uh, not mate, uh, Bennett, yeah, Bennett is in pursuit. Is in pursuit. Wood was no match for Bennett because he just burst through it like the Kool Aid Man as well. That's right, he does. Uh, I just wanted to note that that. So Chenny is being chased when the timing doesn't make sense because she must really be running laps around because Matrix is killing a lot of people, which takes time. Yeah, they, they kind of had her escape a little too soon. Too early. Uh, but I did like the Kool-Aid Man effect with, uh, with the macrame uh, chain mail. <laughs> yeah, he really, he really does burst through that uh, window. Yes. Um, okay, so then there's a, like, one guy is killed in a jungle, which... When he looks, when he looks in the, the binoculars, there's no jungle. But no. suddenly now he's in a jungle. Yes, I had the same thing. I just have in the jungle now and a tick mark. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the one guy he kills and the guy like trips over a log. Yes, and then mine just has now he's on a lawn. Somehow <laughs> right. he went from the jungle right back to the lawn. It's like two shots of him in a jungle, and then suddenly he's not. Nope, there's no more jungle. No, what jungle? He's on the perfectly manicured lawn. Yeah, I do like this. All, the fact that all this is happening in this beautiful mansion. Like, yes, it's it's a really cool contrast. Uh, okay, so that guy in the jungle is 39. Uh, okay, 40 and 41, shoots two guys in the lawn. There's a wide shot where three more guys die. It's 45. Yep. Uh, 46, close-up of some poor sap, I wrote. I don't know by a statue, because I'm pretty sure this is the one where he's by a statue and he gets smoked. Yeah, that's, that sounds right. Uh, and then 47, a guy almost sneaks up on Matrix and he kills him and the guy falls in the fountain. Yep. Uh, 48 and 49, two guys in the background. And then there's, like, it's, it shows a guy shooting at Matrix, and two guys are dying in the background. And then Matrix kills the guy in the foreground, so he's yep. 50. Uh, 51 and 52, killed by grenade slash catapult. <laughs> so what I had is grenade turns soldiers into gymnasts. That's what I had is my note. <laughs> Did you notice those catapults are just so visible? No, I missed it. I, it's because I, I remembered the flips, so I just I, every the, the time I watched it, because I only watched this one once knowing the movie pretty well. I just I love that scene because it turned. It, I'm like, wow! It turned them into gymnasts. So I, I missed the uh, the the catapult they're, they're, setting them up. They're being launched by catapults like in the ground. Yeah. Um. But it, I mean, they don't even try to to hide to the hide catapults. Them. Okay. Fifty three. Man runs headlong into bullets. Yes. Fifty four. Uh, man taking cover behind statue. Fifty five. Man behind rose bush. It's hard to like. Eventually, I started running out of descriptions. Just, just like, yeah, to differentiate. They're all just guys that are getting killed. Okay, fifty six, fifty seven. Two more lost to grenade slash catapult combo. Uh, man falls in wide shot. Fifty eight. Perched on low wall. Is there a guy like? I wasn't sure if I saw this correctly. And I didn't go back to double check. But there's a guy like jumps up like on a wall. Like he like he's like balanced on a wall and he just gets shit shot and falls back. Could be that one. I don't remember, but I don't have any notes. But that doesn't mean that it's not there. Okay, uh, number sixty. Pirouette death next to statue. Yep. A guy like, he does quite the spin. Yes, I had that he was the ice skater. We had the gymnast and we had <laughs> an ice right, skater. Yeah. You're getting all the uh, Olympic events. Yes. Uh, considering it was filmed in LA in an Olympic year. Well, those are all winter sports. So. Uh, okay, 61, another grenade uh, gymnast. 62 and 63, killed as Matrix vaults a stone slab. <laughs> yep. He's like jumping. It looks like a tomb, like a, like a weird like mausoleum or something. I don't know. Yep. Sixty four and sixty five. Two guys round a corner and get shot. Sixty six. Close up of bearded man. I wrote. 
I don't even remember him. Okay. 67, uh, this is where he, start, he pulls out his pistol. So the first, first yep. pistol victim. Uh, and before that, he was on an Uzi. Because the early one is a really big machine gun. That runs out. Then he switches to the Uzi. Oh, I didn't notice the switch to the Uzi. I yeah. thought he was using that. So he had the Uzi for a few. I think I've got that he got five of them. And then he switches to a pistol, which I think is a Desert Eagle. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really paying attention, that close attention to the weaponry. Pist- uh, pistol is enough. And then... He kills a couple guys with a pistol, right? 67, yep. first pistol guy, 68 pistol again, falls through hedge. Yep, now it's to a shotgun to a sh- that sounds like a cannon. <laughs> and then, I did not see him. This is the one I noticed because it's like, he has a shotgun too? Like, how many, how many things is he carrying? I didn't remember seeing it in the gear up scene, and I didn't know if he just picked it he up may off have a guy. picked it up because there's a, one later he definitely picks up off yeah. of a dead guy. So yeah, first shotgun victim is 69. Uh, 70, 71, he shoots two shotgun shots. And then they cut the two guys falling at the same time. Like yeah. I don't know. Like it makes no logical sense, but whatever. You just go with it. And then uh, seventy-two uh, guy behind a wall with a shotgun. Which I, this is the point where I have a note saying this guy's hiding behind a marble wall, and covered means nothing. Meanwhile, <laughs> Matrix is hiding behind gardenias. Yes, and it's 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 the greatest cover in the world. But uh, anyway, and then that that's it for this batch. And this this is where he. Gets uh, hit with a grenade and has to run and hide in a shed. Yeah, I I had that a grenade turns Matrix into a better gymnast because he's just able to survive <laughs> yeah. with his gym, uh, uh, his his moves. Well, he doesn't do the triple flip that these guys do. He just no. kind of like does a dive, like you know. Uh, but it does injure him. Like this is the, one of the maybe is this maybe the only moment of any kind of vulnerability for Matrix where he's yeah other he's than, injured by this grenade. Yeah, by that, and then the only other time is Bennett. Well, yeah, Bennett shoots him in the shoulder, but he shows no sign of injury. No. At least here, he goes into this shed and he takes off his jacket and he's like, you, he's struggling and he's like wincing. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, this is the only time he shows any kind of uh, evidence of pain. So, uh, yeah, he goes into the tool shed and uh, needs to get some new weapons and he decides to become the killer gardener. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these, these, uh, these saw blades... Yeah, <laughs> pretty brutal. I, I I I remembered them, but I don't remember them being as. It's the same thing. I didn't remember them being as graphic as they turned out to be. The guy he gets his, half his head cut off or whatever. Yep. Well, first is a pitchfork to the chest. They, they surround the thing and they just shoot it up. Shoot it up. Does I mean it's not guys. You're wasting your bullets. It's John Matrix. <laughs> he should have just been standing in the center of it, just <laughs> to like you can't. He's just Superman. Yes, please. Run out of ammo so that I can come out. The, the only thing I had is whoever the guy that was in charge, I like the fact that there were a couple of guys that went at Matrix with a pistol. You really have some testicles to go at John Matrix armed with nothing but a pistol. Yeah. But what's great is when they're shooting it up, if you get the audio, the last shot that it's like I got a two-second delay is the guy with the pistol. He like fires the last one. It's like, yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, he, he was trying to overcompensate that he was clearly under uh, undergunned in this sequence. They should have done the thing like in Kill Bill, you know, where there's the, the big fight with the, at the end of the first one, and there's the one guy left. Yes. And he's like <laughs> terrified, and she, she like chases him away. He, he should have done that. With, go, go home to your mother. Yes. So uh, uh, I got pitchfork, saw blade, saw blade, axe. Yep, and, and then the arm. And yeah. then the arm, there's Shetty, which is... Too gra- I, I don't know why they, they kept this in, and then especially that he has him throw the arm back at that's, him. That's the part that's not in the in my cut. Okay. I, this I did read about as far as what was in the director's cut. So, yeah, the part him throwing his arm back at the guy is not in the theatrical cut. Yes, he throws the arm back at the guy. Apparently it was going to be much more extreme, and I don't know if they filmed this, um, but apparently he was going to take the guy's arm and hit him with his own arm. 
And then there's going to be a pun where he says, need a hand? And then he, and then he hits him with his own hand. <laughs> it's probably good that didn't make it. Yeah, I, that's a little That might much. have been too much. Would it have been worth it to have another pun in the movie? Does it have him say, need a hand? <sighs> I don't know. That That's just... No. It's, I, a, little, it's a little much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's a little too much. I mean, because he's supposed to be moving fast. He doesn't have time to be you know, spending <laughs> extra time coming up with extra puns. That's true. He doesn't have really a lot of quips or any quips, really. No. He's, He's just piling them up. He's just, he's just marching forward. Um, but this guy's dead, right? This arm, I, arm guy. I, again, I say if John Matrix looks at you the wrong way, you're dead. So definitely <laughs> if he cuts your arm off, but, I mean, don't this, survive. This, this, guy is, this guy is not going to get the proper medical treatment. No, so he's, he's not surviving. He's going to bleed out. Okay, so 78 and 79, Matrix picks up some Huge dead guy's gun. machine gun yes. and kills two guys with that. Uh, we cut briefly back to Jenny. He's being chased around in the boiler room by Bennett. Oh, and this is where so Matrix he he takes a he dives face first down a set of concrete stairs. Yeah, and I I have to assume it's a like a pavement down there. It's like a sidewalk. You don't build stairs down to like dirt. No, so he's he's sliding right on concrete. Doesn't feel it at all. Indestructible. Uh, okay, so eighty man takes nap in hedge. <laughs> I like the description. I think I think the guy just got shot and kind of goes like Ugh, and just yeah. falls back like very like, nonchalant. Uh, okay, 81 to 85, four guys die. Oh, four guys are dead in a wide shot. So I'm assuming these guys are new kills because he just... This is like a new area of the yeah. garden. He just got here. So if they're if they're lying on the ground, I'm counting them as new, That's new fair. guys. Uh, 86, guy is gut shot. 87... Uh, oh, there's another guy like does like a pirouette. There's a guy... I have a note here saying there's a guy in the background who, gets, who falls down getting shot, but he's still shooting back. So I'm... He's does, gone. It, he, that's just that's just reflex. He's dead. Oh, okay, you're gonna count that as dead. Yeah. He looked okay. actually okay. I was looking back. I was like, is that guy dead? Now he seems okay. So he doesn't seem that. Hard. But I'll, I'll add one at the end. I did not count him originally. Uh, okay, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Two guys fall as Matrix mow down the floor. It's the shot where he's walking sideways across. It's yes. Like pretty pretty iconic shot. It's definitely yeah. one of the more memorable shots. And right? no no cover at all. That I mean that really establishes him as the Terminator. He's, he's his own cover. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how he looks tough he is. As the bullets come his way, he gives them a look and the bullets just change course. Yeah. So he shoots a guy off a roof, that's number ninety. Uh four guys near a set of stairs, that's ninety four. Uh and three more guys, one more guy on a wall, ninety eight. Guy sneaking through the trees, ninety nine, and then uh, Matrix jumps up on the roof. I was going to say point. the roof on the guy. Or there's one guy up on the roof. Yeah, the guy slided. He, I said he shimmies off the roof. I don't remember what he did, but <laughs> he apparently shimmied off the roof. Uh, Matrix. Uh, oh, and then he goes inside. Yep. And there's the guy inside who uh, foolishly leaves cover. He had he had the drop on Matrix. And he just like he just goes like ha ha. He just jumps out. He thought he was John Matrix. What an idiot. So yeah. <laughs> so that guy's one on one. Uh, okay, so tell me about these two guys he jumps down. So he jumps down, there's two guys in like a little garden, there's like a glass table. Yeah, the patio furniture. I, so I, I actually have, and you could see in my notes if you walked over here, I count two with patio furniture because it's Matrix. That's exactly right. what I said, it's because it's John Matrix. If you don't want to count those two and the other guy that was you know, still shooting... No, we'll count them. I, just, I assume because this guy is such an efficient killing machine... That unless they establish that he knocks, you know, them out. Well, I think the one, one guy puts his face through the patio furniture. So I think it's plausible that guy's dead. But the one guy, he just rifle butts. I, oh, I didn't, all right. I didn't count either of these guys, but I'll, we'll count them. Uh, so I need, I need to add three at the end. Just remind me at the end. All right. Okay. And then uh, Arius and Matrix spot each other, and this is where they have their gunfight. Yes. Which is disappointing. Like, there's zero dialogue. 
There's no dialogue. There's no... You want something. You want... You want him to say something. The only thing I love is that Matrix did run through those patio doors and just burst through them like a wild man. I didn't understand yeah. why he felt the need to just throw yeah. himself through them, but I, I enjoyed like it. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a, I don't know. I know because Bennett, even though he's not the boss, is supposed to be the, you know, the big showdown. But this was kind of a letdown. Yeah, you want, you want them to have some kind of verbal exchange, even if it's just like, you know, I don't know. How dare you kidnap my daughter? I don't right. know, just something stupid. I don't care. Just you want him to declare his indignation to this bad, the bad guy or whatever. Or even when he kills him, one hundred two is when Arius he, he shotguns him four times through a window. Yes, he he definitely is making sure that he's gone. And they cut to Matrix, and he has like a real intense look on his face, and he, I'm, you kind of expect him to say something, even if it's not a quip or a pun. It's just like you know, go to hell or something. Satis- some satisfaction or whatever. Yeah, you don't get anything. It's just, it's kind of a bummer, but yep. You know, he's just trying to rescue his daughter, and Arius is in the way. He's not there to kill Arius. He just happens to run into him. He's like, well, I'll kill you. I'll kill you, too. I mean, I'll well. add you to my count. Yeah. Okay. So then now we're getting down to the end, ending yes. with the Bennett. Bennett in the boiler room. So what I have is that Jenny is hidden in the basement of an antique store because there's just like a bunch of artwork and weird stuff down in where she's crept and kind of hiding. I didn't pick up on any of that. But. Yeah. I, the part bet- between the Arius dying and the part where like in the fight, because there's a little like you know she's running around, and he's he's going Jenny and she's going Dad and they're they're moving around, but it's like I, I really didn't doesn't matter. Yeah, didn't really pay much attention to that stuff. But eventually they get down to that boiler room. Yeah, and then, and I mean then that's it's a, got Jenny hostage. Yeah, that that's ultimately what really matters. So Matrix gets one in the shoulder to make it an equal fight. Yep. This has got to be the first instance of that, right? Because this happens a lot in our old movies. Yeah. Where it's like, let's have him get shot in the shoulder so he can fight the guy and have it be an equal match. Yeah. I mean, in Eraser, it really was dumb because even that would not be the equivalent with James Conn. <laughs> no. The, you know, the overweight Bennett, maybe you could believe that that would slow Matrix down enough where it would be a more fair fight. They're at least roughly the same age and size. Yeah. Even if he's not really in shape. So uh, somehow Matrix is able to convince Bennett that despite having... <laughs> All the leverage and all the cards that uh, they need to go to hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, well, he's like, uh, what, I don't know what would be the clean... He goes like, throw away that chicken spit gun. Yes. Uh, but it's like... Come on, Bennett, let's party. <laughs> but I mean, he, Matrix just killed 80 people with a machine gun. What, what a hypocrite. Just like, who, you know, having a gun is, yeah. uh, is, is chicken S. Like, you can't... You know, whatever. He's just trying to goad him. Um... This is probably the part where we should, we should at least bring this up, and I don't put a lot of stock in this, but uh, reading about the theories about uh, Bennett possibly, like, you know, having some kind of, like, like being gay and having some kind of feelings for, for uh, Matrix or whatever, and, like, this is all born out of... Uh, people read into this. People seem to think that this is a really? thing. I think a lot of it is just because the way he looks. He has kind of a... a, a Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury look to him or whatever. Yeah. People read into it. The director and the writer and the guy who plays Bennett have all said, like, no, we didn't intend that. No, so, other than the look, I never... I mean, I believe that people would read into that. I, I never would. Okay. No. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. And there's no. nothing in this movie that really supports... But, but it, is, it is a thing, like, if you believe that, the stuff that uh, Matrix is saying here, of just like, come on, don't you want to see the look in my eyes when you put the knife in me? <laughs> you know, it's just, Yeah, I mean, look, I can see where you would, but no. Pe- I, people like to read into it. Okay, but it, I, I feel like we just needed to touch on it in terms of... Acknowledge it. But yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's clearly not intended. Like, it's people projecting things onto this movie that 
probably yeah. don't belong there. I mean, the Freddie Mercury look is definitely there. So, I mean, I can understand that, but I don't... That's not what I take away from yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Freddie Mercury was popular back then. Yeah. Like people, a lot of people, a lot of people of all different, you know, lifestyles were into Freddie Mercury. So you know, it doesn't mean anything. So they uh, they go to hand to hand. There's some slashing that goes on. Uh, what I have is when they finally are, you know, like in the WWF grappling, like wrestling. You have what I had is Bennett face to uh, offset yeah. Arnold face. There is a Bennett face. Yeah. Yes. Now that you mentioned it. Uh, yeah, this fight's okay. It's, I'm not. I think I think part of the reason why I'm not that independent, I just I just don't think this fight is all that. No, good. I guess the thing is that I love that Bennett gets more power from electricity. <laughs> yeah, he is he is like a Godzilla or something. Yes, he gets power from electricity, but also even before this, they ripped the furnace door off. Apparently, this furnace door has great insulation because it is not hot in any way, shape, or form. It could yeah. be used as a shield, a weapon. It's like made out of porcelain or something. Yes. Somehow, no, nobody gets burned and it can be used. And it apparently isn't that heavy. But I, I really love in this sequence that electricity gives Bennett more power. Well, it's, a, it's another one, an example of people just recovering from things they should never be recovering for, from. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's, that I like. That's fun. No. He gets electrocuted and just comes out punching. Comes out swinging with more power and more energy. Uh, but yeah, the long and the short of it is we're running a little long, so let's just get to the let's just get to the finale, which is another instance of someone being impaled by a blunt object that they should never be impaled by. Yes. So you've got the, the I mean, this is from some of the reason I, you know, loved this when I was younger and I still love it, is that He's, he doesn't have a weapon, and now Bennett finally is believing that the chicken spit doesn't make sense. I'm just going to use this gun. Logic is That's finally right. taking over. Well, he's realizing he's losing the fight. Yeah. He's, he's a bad guy, so he's going to So gonna he's go going to cheat, quote-unquote. Right. So Arnold rips, rips a, I guess maybe it's steel, whatever pipe it is, somehow is able to javelin it through. And if Bennett had just worn not macrame chainmail, but the actual chainmail, <laughs> right. maybe he would have survived. Well, that's the thing is when, when I was a kid watching this, I really thought it was chainmail. I was like, wow, that's how strong Matrix is. <laughs> you can throw can, this pipe through. Can, not only can he throw a pipe through a man, but he can throw a pipe through a man wearing chainmail. Yeah. The one thing I did notice that I thought was a nice touch, and I, it was while they were fighting, there's a moment where uh, Matrix bashes uh, Bennett's head on that pipe and it loosens it. Oh, It's actually kind of cool. Like, oh, it actually set it up a little bit. You know what? I didn't... I didn't realize it on this viewing, but I do remember it in other viewings that it is established. So I just I missed yeah. it on this one. So they actually do did think it through a little to loosen it up and make it seem like it's plausible that he just rip it off. But that's how much our cartoon is, where he throws this pipe and he gets pinned to this machine and steam comes out. Yeah. Like why is the steam? Such, why I'm, wouldn't all of his organs? Yeah, I know. And whatever. <laughs> It's blocking the pipe. Not that that's even possible, but even if it was possible, yeah, it would just be guts flying out of that pipe. But of course, it, it was, leads to a, such a great line. I mean, how can you not love? Yeah, love some steam, Bennett. It's it's it is the ultimate dumb pun. Yes, this is the ultimate bad pun. It's, this yeah. is like the perfect thing for our pun. Like, let off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> it's so stupid, and I love it. It's really good. Yeah, I mean. Well, let off some steam. How? Why? Why does he need recreation? I mean, it just it doesn't <laughs> right. make any sense. But it is iconic for like our podcast. Yeah, and he delivers it. He sells that line so Absolutely. well. Like he 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 doesn't uh, you know back off of it. Like so, oh. I think some some actors would be a little embarrassed and they would try to like undercut it. Maybe so no. they wouldn't use it. Like no, Arnold's gonna sell this He's, line. He embraces it. He, he's on board with let off some steam. Uh, so yeah, re- really. And after this, does anything else in the movie really matter? 
Somehow Chenny is not traumatized by seeing a man wearing macrame chainmail get impaled. She's psyched. She's yeah, really she's, she's really excited. So what I've taken from it is really she's she's ready to be a commando herself. <laughs> she clearly is ready to be a killing machine. That's that Joker gas kicking in again. <laughs> so, she sees a man killed and she's smi- she's so happy. She's smiling. She's waiting to find some ice cream to go and push in Matrix's right. face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, you get you reestablish Kirby, of course. The cavalry gets there after every, basically just to clean up the mess. And they're, they fly off. Her, him, Cindy, and Jenny fly yeah, off. Jenny and Cindy hug like they know each other. Oh, I it's, missed that. It's like, it's like uh, Star Wars, like uh, Ray hugging Leia or whatever. People have a real right. hard time with that. It's the same thing. It's, you two have never met. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, whatever. She just knows that she's with her father. That's good enough. Uh, I do love the exchange with uh, the general. He's like, this is the oh. last time. And he goes, until the next time, huh? No chance. <laughs> I do have no chance. No chance. Well, I think the reason why I love it is because I'm so sick of movies now, like, laying the seeds for the sequel. Yeah. And this is almost like a parody of that. Like, until the next time, huh? And he just shuts it down. <laughs> right there. No. And they never made a sequel. No. This is a standalone. I guess that that is great that the... If this had come out today, you're right. I would definitely say it was poking fun and making parody of how everything has to be set up as part of a universe. That they are just going out of their way to say, nope, not going to happen. Oh, I mean, if this movie was made today, I would think it was a deliberate knock at like Marvel or whatever. Yeah. Just like they can't end the movie without setting up the next movie. Just like this, no, he's no chance. Literally. I mean, even if, I, mean, I, 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 they did, did try to make a sequel, so it's not like I, I'm watching that going like, well. There's zero chance. I mean, you know, it's just the way they decided to end the movie. I just like the way they ended the movie. Yeah. But they did try to make a sequel. Did you read about any of that no, stuff? No, I did not. You, you will find this very interesting in particular, but let me, let me wrap up the puns and bodies first, and then we'll get to that. So, yeah, body count of 106. I've added the three that I had missed. And then 99 kills by Arnold. He's just one shy. Uh, and then our pun count of four. And you had you had Bennett on there, right? Because we did not highlight. I did, him. yeah. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I didn't uh, mention it, but yeah. yeah. He, I have I have him on my count as one hundred three, and then add, add the three I missed, so one hundred six. Okay. Um, yeah. So obviously a very uh, famously uh, high body body count. And so because of that, because this is a movie that has a famous high body count, there are a lot of resources, a lot of opinions on what the actual body count is. Gotcha. And none of them match. <laughs> Moviebodycounts.com has eighty eight. Uh, there's a account called Movie Body Counts on YouTube, which is a different set of people. They have 85. IMDb is 109. We've got 106. I'm just let's just 106. That's what we're going with. Yeah, I, I think uh, those people are low. That's our official count. Okay, so yeah, the Commando sequel. Let's touch on this real brief because I know we're we're running long. But uh, just knowing you, I know you will appreciate this because Steve Steve D'Souza, he pitched a, a Commando sequel. They wrote it, blah, blah, blah. Arnold didn't want to do it. And what the plot was, it was going to be uh, Matrix was hired by a corporation to run their security. <laughs> and he hires a bunch of guys, like some like, like ex-commandos and yeah. things, to be the security and to, you know, some company that had a lot of secrets and he's going to be in charge of guarding the secrets. But it was an evil corporation and he learned something about it, something or other. And they turn on him, and he's got a. F- and, and I think the the sort idea was that uh, Jenny was like seventeen, was like an intern there or something, and they've got her hostage. And he's got to fight up a tower, full, like a, a skyscraper full of guys. Come on, really? Yeah, in order to save her again. Arnold didn't want to do it, 
Steven Inciusa took the idea, reworked it. You don't know where this is going? Yeah, I know where it's going now with the tower. It's, it's Die Hard. It's Die Hard. Wow. Is Die that, Hard started as a Commando sequel. Is that is that really confirmed or is that just like internet rumor? I I I, I mean I I would have liked to have seen confirmation from Stephen E. D'Souza himself, like an interview or something. I did not find that, but you found it, it seems, in like multiple sources. Yeah, it seems like this is this is an accepted fact. I don't know if it's wow. like proven, but yeah, this is that's yeah, that's extremely interesting. If Commando but, Two became Die Hard, I, but I know how much you love Die Hard, so oh, I was just yeah. like. I mean, I, Die Hard's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, action movie yeah, of all time. It's amazing. And Steven Neusuza wrote it, and that's, yeah. that was, that's a known fact. So, I mean, yeah. it's very plausible. Very plausible. That Wow. Uh, when I, I guess I'm thinking, too, of, like, McBain. It's like, what, what evil corporation? I could see it easily be in that shareholders meeting from McBain that we just did, Westpac or Westcorp, <laughs> whatever it was. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I could see that being the, the corporation. So, yeah. So, that's that's uh, that. Commando. I, I This will be in my top ten... For, from now on, for sure. For Arnold movies. I've been too hard on this movie my entire life, and I realize this is a fun movie. You know? Yeah, you know? I, mean, that, I mean, that's what it has to be. It is not a serious... I like Die Hard is... Like a, it's a good movie, and it's a great action movie. Yeah. This is not a good movie, but in terms of like fun action, this is one of the most fun action movies I can ever think of. It understands how to walk the line between just like fun, silly cartoon yeah. and... You know, Still. genuinely like rousing action movie because you know, like and there are moments where he's st- the movie where he's suiting up, and it's like it's not a cartoon there. It's like, oh. yeah, I'll follow him into battle, like yeah. hell yeah. So it, it manages to to make that balance, and you know, it's it's a you know, this Mark L. Lester. I don't think he ever did anything worthwhile after that. And I I wouldn't watch this movie and say like, oh, this is a really well directed movie, but like he does, he gets the job done, and it's yeah. it's really good. So I will never shortchange Commando again. Well, I'm glad to hear... Uh, well, it doesn't sound like I convinced you on Bennett, but that's okay. I'm glad it, it, at a minimum you'll walk away with this one and have it when, when you're top 10 for Arnold. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like Bennett more than I used to. All right. I'll, I'll give you that. You like the macrame chainmail. That's what I know. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So uh, I guess we've got a little bit of business, but uh, the most important thing, what's next? So, yeah, it's, um, it's my pick coming up. So before I make my pick, I just want to mention we had a couple of requests from listeners. Which is great, and I you know, we appreciate that, and I'd, I'd love to hear like more thoughts on what people would like to hear, but just understand we're still going to be picking. Like you know, I, I, I we'll take into consideration. Let's put it that way. We're not just just going to do what people want. But, uh, but are know. there any requests that you'd like to highlight? Uh, well, the two they were interesting because they're both movies I've not seen. One is uh, Sixth Day, uh, and then the other one was Red uh, uh, Red Sonia. Okay, I almost said Red Dawn. <laughs> yeah. Which I've never seen in either one of those movies, so we'll get to them at some point. I mean, that's that's the thing, you know. Rest assured, we will be getting to every single Arnold movie at some point. So just a question of when. Yeah, whichever one you want to hear, just just. It's good to know because maybe maybe uh, maybe I will use one of my picks for uh, for one of the requests. It'd be a good tiebreaker. It's like oh, I'm not sure. This you know, we'll take it into consideration. But my pick is neither of those movies. I'm choosing this for one reason. I think it. We we have to do it at some point. And if there's ever a time to bite the bullet, Uh-oh. now is the time because it'll it'll be an interesting trilogy of South American revenge movies. You know where I'm going? Yes. We've had McBain. We've had Commando. Let's just do it. Collateral Damage is our next movie. Oh man! All right, Collateral Damage. It's you know we got to do it sometime. What when? Right. If if not now, when? 
It's the so in terms of the categories for you uh, scoring at home, we just uh, commando was low budget action and collateral damage will be the pre governor decline. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know, but it'll be as as a comparison with commando. I think there'll be value there. So let's I think just it will it. be. And you know what? That's a movie that at most I've seen two times, and uh, it's been a long. I mean, it's been a long time. It's probably been right around when it came out on you know DVD or whatever from when it was released in theaters. I saw it in theaters, so who knows? Maybe I'll look at it more favorably now. I I, I, I don't only, know. Yeah, I only saw it a year ago. I, w- I would have saved it if I had known we were going to end up doing this podcast. I probably probably around this time of last year was the first time I saw it. Okay, and I thought it was an atrocious movie. Oh. <laughs> and I'm sure my opinion has not changed. You know, in a year, I don't no, think so. I I almost certainly will still hate this movie. But let's just do it. All right. I'm telling you, a trilogy of South South American revenge stories. I, it, it's perfect. Let's you, just do it. Hey, I we're gonna do them all, and <laughs> we're I'm gonna find some good stuff in collateral damage. I'm, okay, I'm feeling good. Okay, great. So that, that'll be our next movie. So until then, uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter at Bad Puns Podcast, and uh, you can send us an email at questions at bpamg.com. Yeah, and please remember to like us uh, on your f- podcast app of choice, and maybe the most important thing to take away from the podcast is the rule in a crisis situation and commando uh there's a lot that you can learn but most of it isn't applicable to most of us because really uh, most lessons are that unless you're indestructible like john matrix there's not a lot that you can uh, use in a crisis situation but i did i did i do have one very key thing that if you're in a crisis always make sure that who are you are running from that you are downwind from, so that you know when they're coming. <laughs> yep, that, that, downwind from your opponent. That's ab- what I've got. Absolutely true, especially if it's Matrix. Absolutely. Yeah, Matrix doesn't have crisis situations, does he? No. It, it, <laughs> these rules, he'd be, he'd be. if John were here right now, he'd be laughing. <laughs> because rules in a crisis situation, they don't apply to me. I don't think there's a better way to end this podcast than right there. If John were here, he'd be laughing at the, at the idea, the notion of a crisis. The notion of a crisis situation would make John laugh. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's the show. So uh, tune in next time. Uh, season two, we've, we've, we're in it. We're in it. Collateral so, damage. Eight, eight, eight more episodes coming up. So stay tuned. Next time we'll talk about collateral damage. See you then. Thanks.